adventure of the world where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-hosts Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman. The animated series as explored by the Literary License Podcast. podcast is batman the animated series we'll be covering four episodes which will include be a clown two-face part one and part two and it's never too late and before we get started i guess we should um announce that kevin conroy conroy the voice of batman had died today so yes weird thing to wake up to when we're gonna come on here and talk about his show and the the first thing i saw when i went on facebook is that he passed away was it an expected thing or According to the uh, the woman who uh, who was the voice of Poison Ivy, he had been sick for a little while. Uh-huh. So I I had never heard about him having any illness, but yeah, it's a uh, kind of a kind of a somber way to open this up. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. when we when we sent out an invite in August to some of the voice actors to see if we could interview him, his agent did say that he was having some complications and that they'll need to get back to us. Uh-huh. Do we know so, what it was? No, I mean they didn't. They didn't. You know, it's an agent. They're not going to really go into too much detail. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. But you know, then it's like here we are. Like, oh, okay. But well, if anybody wants any information on Keith, contact me. I'm an open book. <laughs> 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 so. Well, before we get started, I guess we should say who's with us today. We got Joe Randazzle with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. We got Sean Stefan with us. Hello, Sean. Hey, everybody. And Vicki Ray. Hello, Vicki. Hey, everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Chicago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to, starting with you, Joe. What have we been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, I discovered that there's a, um, uh, a classic movie magazine that uh, publishes right nearby. I ran into it randomly at Barnes really? & Noble. So I'm thinking of sending them some of my writings after we're uh, after we're off awesome the Awesome uh, idea. After we're off the podcast. I mean, if it's a place that's local, might as well see if uh Hell they're yeah. interested in anything I'm anything I'm doing. Um but I w- what stuck out to me was uh, a picture of Basil Rathbone on the cover when I was at Barnes & Noble and I went, "Oh, okay." And I grabbed it. And then I looked and uh, uh you know, one of the people from Mystery Science Theater is involved and an actor from Police Academy is involved. And I'm like, all right, well, let me check this out. So yeah, and then I saw that it was you know, right like four miles from me. I'm like, oh, this is 
this is perfect. I was reading there's articles on film noir and articles on the old Sherlock Holmes movies and stuff that I just love writing about anyway. So might as well see if, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll check that out uh, today. See if they need any, uh, any contributors. Uh, besides that, just kind of, just kind of chilling, watching some movies, uh, keeping in touch with some of the people I met at the film festival last month and uh, looking at, you know, possibly who knows, maybe some of us working together. We've been talking about exchanging, uh, exchanging screenplays and giving each other notes, which is, if I, if I could stress this, that's the main reason to attend these film festivals. When you, when you enter them, go because you need to meet people who can help bring you up to that next level, or you could help bring them up, but help mm-hmm. each other out. Um, beyond that, just watching movies. I stopped, uh, I stopped doing my, my, horror uh my halloween watch list and did it 61 films and uh my goal was to watch as many films i haven't seen before you did yourself this year you were an animal out of the the 61 i think it was like 57 or something of them or 50 no 52 i think were movies i'd never seen before so i'm totally proud of myself for that because otherwise it would have been just watching you know the same the same 20 movies every year and i really want to avoid that i want to expand beyond um beyond what i'm doing uh and this since then i've uh you know just kind of watching a lot of old comedy teams again on my spare time and uh yeah looking forward to next week's movies because i've been looking forward to seeing both of those for a while and never got the chance this gives me the excuse to go in and uh and watch uh, the women of the opposite sex so beyond that no that's really it just kind of you know t- taking it easy for a little while now what about yourself, Sean? What have you been up to? Uh, mainly uh, when I'm not working, I've just been watching movies. Uh, saw a couple of new ones in the past few weeks. Uh, I saw the Weird Al movie, which oh, I cannot was... highly recommend. It is highly not highly recommend, or do you highly recommend? I, no, I, I cannot highly recommend this enough. This is, okay. this is this is one of the funniest movies I have he's seen. He's a real. Over. He's already a pistol. I, I it's, it's 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 a really great biopic that slowly devolves into a parody of a really great biopic. Awesome. <laughs> Just in the best weird Al way possible. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is, it, you you just go along for the ride and it's genuine belly laughs throughout the entire movie. Awesome, and we could all use don't a take it, laugh. We all need a laugh right now. And, and this one is definitely something you cannot take seriously. So I, I highly recommend that. And the other one that I really liked was Fletch, uh, Confess Fletch. That was Confle- another one. I was just going to say, Confess Fletch was a major major one that i feel is being overlooked it's a genuine shame that nobody is talking about this movie that nobody really even knows this movie exists unless you have paramount plus or showtime uh and then it's is it on paramount plus or showtime it's on showtime and if you have the combined package you can you could watch it via both but yeah it's on showtime currently uh it with the exception of that uh synth wave earworm theme from the first two fletch movies being missing john ham really captures the the that feeling of chevy because I, I thought that original fletch movie that was chevy at his peak really of just he could be that sleazy guy but be the smooth guy at the same time and it doesn't matter what he does he uh he's just you're along for the ride with him and, and you're just laughing and smiling and John Hamm has that quality. He really does. I what love made, John Hamm. I love John Hamm. What made the original the Fletch, face. Oh, yeah. What made the original Fletch work more than anything is Chevy's charisma. And John Hamm has it in spades. So it's, uh, 
it's a it's a hell of a watch. Uh, it's a shame that the movie uh, performed really badly at the box office. Did it really? I, yeah, it was in the theaters for like less than two weeks, which sadly I kind of expected because I was like, it's 2022. Who that? Who the hell, aside from people you know over 40, even know, even have any connection to the name Fletch? So yeah, uh, even people that I know that are around my age were like, wait, there's a new Fletch movie and. Yeah, it's there just, is. It's just horribly marketed. John Hamm took a, I want to say he took a cut of uh, out of his paycheck in order to get the movie made to begin with. And it was in theaters for maybe 10 days at most. And yeah, it flopped out pretty badly. I think flopped. I saw a brief advertisement, a brief something, and that was it. It wasn't really marketed a whole lot, I don't think. I, yeah, I, I think that they they figured out oh, right. This thing is meant for streaming. Maybe we'll, as a courtesy, we'll we'll put it in theaters for a week to see if it has any legs. Or th there was no superhero movie out at the time when it came out, so maybe they figured, okay, we, what we the can hang? do something. Yeah. But uh, and the other only other one I saw was I saw Black Panther yesterday, and like it. I liked it more than I thought I would. Uh, they the uh, the original Black Panther I liked. I thought mm -hmm. it was okay. But there's a good 20 to 40 minutes where That's it kind of okay. Meh. I got <laughs> meh for my friends. Yeah, it's well, the original Black Panther, when uh Michael B. Jordan shows up and then yeah. he disappears he disappears for about 40 minutes. Right. Until they he shows up again, the movie kind of grinds to a halt for me. This movie didn't suffer from that. It, it's a long movie, it's a little bit too long, but I don't know exactly what Isn't I did. Like two it. hours, 20 minutes. It's like, like 2 30. It's I want to say oh, it's just really? a little over okay. 2 30. Yeah. No, it's 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 a long movie. I don't know exactly what I would cut because everything kind of works, but it is a little too long. Um all the side characters from the original movie, they're fleshed out a lot more. And um, the my main problem with Marvel is, lately has been the integration of the overall picture. And right. I, I think that they did it a little bit more organically in this one. Than but they haven't the, been making their fan base really happy as of late, it seems. Nah, I've noticed a lot of discontent amongst the ranks. So. This one, it, it's definitely less clunky than it has been. I mean, it, the Captain, or not Captain, uh, the... Um, uh, the uh, God, uh, Doctor Strange. That's the one. They're all the names. I liked. I love Doctor Strange. I a lot of Doctor people hated it. I didn't. I liked the last one. I didn't like it when they did the detour into the Illuminati for like twenty. That was that. That was a little funky. That I, I, like. I, I get what you're doing. You're setting up a movie that might not be around for like four or five years, though. And and you need to focus on the movie that you're That's telling. And, I and Black but Panther, this one at least focused on the actual movie that they were telling. And it didn't get too bogged down by what the, the overall picture was. The, the, the thing that gets me about Marvel movies is that they, they, they always seem to stop the story yes. to have these like 25 minute battle scenes. And I'm like, you really don't need to be. And I get like, I guess there's. <laughs> Yeah. I get there's an audience for that, but I'm just like, okay, how much longer is this going to go? Also, I will say the effects are a lot better in this one than they have been in recent Marvel movies. They they took their time. They weren't rushed. This movie was the was Eternals. Just... Was the Eternals Marvel? Eternals was Marvel. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of painful. I was really oh, excited I... for that. It was a little that painful. one. Yeah, I was excited. I didn't hate for it though. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either, but it is definitely not a Marvel movie. It was a. It was a, trying to be was something else. Was it an experiment? Else. Maybe. The, I, the one, the I, uh, who's the person who directed it? She she won uh, best picture the year before, if memory serves. Her, um, I don't remember her name. I can look it up. Yeah, but she. I think that because of her gravitas and what she was bringing to the table, they kind of gave her 
the freedom to do whatever they want. Right. And they, they, I mean, I remember Kevin Feige, he was flat out saying, oh, this is going to be, this is going to win Marvel its first best picture Oscar and all that stuff. And Chloe Zhao came out. Chloe Zhao, excuse me. Yeah. Chloe Zhao. She, um, uh, I think that they were giving her the freedom to do it. And when it came out and it didn't really do that well, now they're, they're sticking to the old, the old Marvel formula. Well, yeah, because it didn't, it was, what is it? It's, it's the 26th Marvel yeah. movie. It didn't do and that a well. lot of people were a little, it's the lowest grossing one too of the Marvel. Well, it didn't uh, have any, I, of their, any of their trademark superheroes. So yeah, I guess it's going to be. I actually I mean, liked Angelina Jolie's character. So I liked good. a lot. I, of, I, 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 I also thought, yeah. I also think with Marvel though, that if you oversaturate your market anyway, you're kind of opening yourself up a lot. I mean, you know, you got the TV series, you got the film series, yeah. and it's like, you true, know. True, true. And then you and have so to, after, the, the TV series, lead, you know, this TV series leads into this movie. So it's, it's like, do you want yeah. me to give give you all of my time, Marvel? At this point, you should be paying me. It's confusing after a while, though, it, <laughs> it is. Because I always, you got, well, Joe's corrected me a million, at least two times that I could call, you're getting your universes mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a bit. It's a bit like it's been like Star Wars has kind of gone down that route as well. Yeah, as well. Is. But the thing is, is like, you know, maybe it should be more quality over quantity. Yes, and see that. Like, that's yeah, the big which, issue that I have with it. Is yeah. I'm like following when following your product becomes a full time job. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> want any part of it. You should be paying me at that point. If I'm if I have to devote a hundred hours every year to watch your movies, I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you I'm think not, that they would have picked up on that during, you know, because that's what happened with horror franchises, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if you look at them, they, they suddenly go downwards, don't they? And that's all because bit. it's like, oh, we need to come out with one a year. We need to come out with one of these a year yeah. sort of thing. So what happens is like, you know, you slowly go down that because now they're just like, pushing them out. Halloween is Marvel. But in the case of Marvel, they're coming out with like four or five movies yeah. a year yeah. and, you know, four television series and like, dude, enough. I want well, Captain, I also, I mean, well, Captain America. He's Marvel too, right? Oh. Yeah, Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's the sexiest man in America right now, according to People Magazine. And that's all that matters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got sexiest man. <laughs> does anybody read People Magazine anymore? If they know. do, do they actually buy it? <laughs> I used to I read the, it back in the 80s. I do the crosswords at the doctor's office, but that's I used to read it, it in yeah. the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Do people buy magazines anymore? They're kind of, they're kind of becoming obsolete. Only but, um, collector's only ones, that's about it. Collector's only stuff, hardcore yeah. fans, yeah. Like, I still buy... Um, I still buy The Dark Side. I buy a couple of uh, a couple of different horror and film magazines. But Fangoria is still in print, or is it just online? Yeah, no. it's back. Fangoria. Is it back? Fangoria was gone for, like, 10 years and then came back. Um, uh, Barbara Crampton occasionally rides for them. Uh, Darcy right. the Mail Girl occasionally rides for them. Uh, so they, they have, they have the Joe Bob, I think occasionally writes for them. So they have their, uh, their core group of people. I, I was seen- thinking about you when I was watching Joe Bob last night, I was catching up and I was going to ask you, it's a Baba question even. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because I could have swore it was, was this bloody Sunday? It was his first uh, Black Sunday. Black Sunday. Yeah, I was watching that last night. I thought that was in color. Was that ever colorized, or is that just my mind? Not that I know of. Because no. I remember, and then I started reading about it. Well, then Joe Bob always gives all these wonderful whatever that goes beyond the movies. You know, he's talking about, it. and that that became that one scene 
where she's holding the two dogs had become like a staple and a big nod for a lot of other horror movies. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize that until I put it together. As, and I got, as soon as you mentioned the two dogs, I see her standing there with the black yeah, dress. Yeah. Like, ah. Barbara, Barbara Steele. Barbara yeah. Steele. She was a scary broad, wasn't she, back in the day? Those eyes, you know? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think that I think the reason why you might think it's in color because it does, it does share a title with Black Sabbath. And maybe so that's what it, I. Maybe that's Sometimes what it's, I, you get the two, the two titles yeah, that, are quite that similar. Be, because I, I didn't remember this one being in black and white, but I can't imagine it being in color after watching it again. And you know, I got into it last night. And just like, I just love those movies. But oh, it's a great film. It's an awesome film. And I was just I mean, sitting there going, I gotta ask Joe if this is ever color. He's our I don't, it. I don't believe it was ever colorized. I don't I don't I don't think um yeah. Black Sabbath, I know we covered on the on we the did. show. We I did. don't did you guys ever do Black Sunday? No, I don't we think so. Black Sunday. There's one. Black Sunday's a great one. It is. Um, I mean uh, uh an interesting thing about Barbara Steele is that she would play Dr. Julia Hoffman in the remake of Dark Shadows in yeah. 1991. Yeah. Oh, did she? So. I never, I never saw the. Yeah, series. so sad that I really wanted to see where that was going to. God dang the Persian Gulf War. The dark, the Dark Shadows um reboot from from nineteen ninety one is actually worth watching. It's actually it is. a very good show. Um, basically, what happens is because it was a soap opera, and this is before. The well, they cut out the first two hundred episodes. Uh, right there, we start at two oh eight. Boom. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, it, su it suffered from the Gulf War, and what a lot of shows suffered from. The Gulf War took over for um, what was it? Oh, six weeks, and so yeah, TV series stopped. They all went down, and the then theater. they tried because this was a soap opera. And then they kind of restarted, and everyone's kind of lost the thread, and that's what canceled it. Like, Twin Peaks got suffered from that as well. That's what yeah, kind of not as much though. Twin they Peaks had sustained power from previous years though. Yeah, well, I mean, but Twin Peaks is what killed uh, the Gulf War is what killed Twin Peaks TV yeah, series. Yeah, exactly. Because it was because it was off the air for six weeks, and when it came back, I'm thinking, what in the hell went on six weeks ago? Yeah, and you couldn't yeah, go think, back and catch other, up like you can nowadays. I think the other the other thing that kind of hurt Twin Peaks was that ABC wanted um, wrap it up. Who, uh, wanted wanted yeah. yeah. Who who killed Laura Palmer? They wanted yeah. that solved. So yeah, the middle of the second season, you find out, and then that was such a weird series, though. I mean, inexplicably, weirdly entertaining. I don't know why. Supposedly, David Lynch is working on another season right now. So hopefully, hopefully that's what he's doing. There's uh, this mystery project, codename Wisteria. That's all Wisteria. I know. Wisteria. Wisteria. That's all I know about it. Is it, he's someone's got a leak somewhere out there. Everybody leaks in this country. Damn it. Ever, all of the usual Twin we'll Peaks suspects have been like teasing stuff on Twitter. He here's a photo of him at the twin at the actual Twin Peaks house at Laura Palmer's house with the actual owner. And interesting. Oh, I can't talk about stuff. And and everybody's kind of slightly like hinting that something's coming. So and then and then you'll look at like Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin's uh, uh, Instagram, and it's like, oh, here's me with Matt Chinamic. What are you two doing together? <laughs> are you two on the same project? Somehow? Yeah. It's all in his head. Or he's gone into Riverdale. All I know is that he's this this project was kind of held up by the pandemic. So I don't know what's going bit, on with yeah. it. But yeah, I know that, that it'll it, be interesting to see what's coming down the, 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 the river. Though. Absolutely. I mean, the, the trouble with things like Twin Peaks or any of those shows or those shows were like Moonlighting or all those other shows. The problem is, is if, you, if your premise is like 
you know, it's going to be this, you know, let's take couples and, you know, will they, won't they get together? And then after a while they put them together and then the show just goes after they've been together. Cause like, what do you do now? Yeah. Sexual what tension's you, gone. What does Wiley Coyote do when he catches the roadrunner? Yeah. yeah. Loses him. <laughs> he never <laughs> does get him, get him though, you know? Well, if he does get him, he's pretty much lost his meaning of life. Hasn't yeah. he? So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great, uh, and that was the issue with Twin Peaks. When you find out who killed Laura Palmer, there was no point in the show anymore. And That's it did, true. It did have some interesting ideas after that, but, but there's like a six or eight episode gap where we just completely detour from Twin Peaks. It turns into a completely different soap opera, and then David Lynch, once he kind of finished with Wild at Heart and everything, he came back to the show, and the last six or so were were solid. But there's like this gap in the middle of that second season. God, the, the, what the Nate, hell is going on? Where Nadine well, quest- hits her head and thinks she's yes. a teenager again. Oh and my it's like, God. What the I, fuck is this? Crap? The Civil War reenactments and everything. <laughs> oh, on the table. God. <laughs> well, the question, the question also is, is why is Kyle McLaughlin still in that town? Yeah. Why is he there? It's <laughs> just like a lovely place to live. Great coffee, FBI great pie. Stay there. <laughs> That's, That's true. Say. That is probably the best point. They took his badge, so he lost his purpose. You know what? I like the pie and the coffee. I'll just stay. And then he got his badge. (laughs) I'll I'll just be jobless. I'll just live here. No job. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a lot. We had crazy weather last week, so we've been trying to fix a few shingles here and there. But, uh, I'm glad uh, he... glad none of that came up towards you. That uh, I re- oh, it I just missed us. It went over us at the next town. So, oh. but I mean, I was literally shitting my pants that night. Usually, I poo poo it because you know Keith knows tornado warnings are like whatever. Yeah, tornado. It's like ah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know they always say that. Well, eventually, me and all the life forms were in the bathtub. Bless me. <laughs> so, got oh. in there just for a minute. You just this this got too close. But we were good. We're good. But uh, a lot of other people, not so lucky, but everybody's safe. <clears throat> but what did I watch? Oh, finally watched Crimes of the Future. I was going to, I, I should have just called Joe immediately and say, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> I would have I had the same reaction. <laughs> I mean, I love Vigo Mortenstern for one. You know, I've always been, always been a big Vigo nerd. Well, but didn't, you I, baby, didn't you babysit for her or no, something? No, no, no. My friend, my, my best friend took care of his mother in hospice. That was it. That was it. She's got his phone number. I still got his phone number. I just never used it. Vigo's from our side of the world. Yeah, that's like greetings. It's like, well, he still lives in Cape Vincent. He was, I, I keep missing him when I'm home, but I'm going to catch him one of these days. But uh, yeah, that was, it was actually really good. It was really fucking weird though. It was so Cronenberg. It was even beyond Cronenberg. It was so funny. <laughs> I don't even know where I was thinking, but I've got to watch the, the, the version that you sent me on YouTube. So I'm going to watch that. Yeah, I didn't realize that I uh, I have a, a copy of the Criterion Collection of David Cronenberg's The Brood, and I never put it in the other day. Oh, wow. I pulled, I pulled it off the shelf, and I looked at the back. I'm like, wait a minute, Crimes of the Future. I'm like, the original Crimes of the Future yeah. is a special feature on the, uh, the Criterion version tonight. of The Brood. Um, I, I'll watch it eventually. I've never seen the original yeah. version. So on top of that, I didn't know they had an eighth episode. I was pleasantly surprised to turn on Hulu last night and see that um, American Horror Story New York City had another episode last night because I thought we were only getting seven. I guess look, we're going to get eight to ten, so they're going to wrap it up. I think this season. I don't know. Fucking loving American Horror Story. I haven't loved American Horror Story in a few years now. 
this one is exemplary. It's it's really fucking weird. It's dark. It's you know about the gay community in the eighties, serial killers, and all that other stuff. But it's really raw. Ryan gritty. Murphy. What else would it be about? Yeah, true. <laughs> that raw, sounds gritty, like cruising. Raw, gritty, gay lifestyle, dark eighties <laughs> shit. You know the usual fare. I love it though. I think it's actually it's really good. It's, it's just really really good. And Jennifer Salt is producing it. I did not know. I, I was just thinking Nurse Ratchet when it came to Jennifer Salt, but forgot that she's doing, you know, American Horror Story yeah. now. So that's probably why it's so good because she really does add a little ump into everything she does. But it's really excellent. And uh, I found, I started watching The Crown. Did not know that was out again. Not knowing what I'm thinking about season five of The Crown yet. They replaced all the other people. Of course, they have lives and other careers. I get that. But, well, no, they've all gotten older. I mean, the, the royal family's gotten older, so they had to replace the actors. Well, I know, but they really replaced them. I mean, they totally replaced them. I mean, just totally. Because I, I had a hard time figuring out who was who, you know, but I'm on. Mm-hmm. I did not know Dodie Elphiat's family was really into kick, kissing royal booty like they were. I had no idea well, yeah. that was going on. Um, the thing is, is that um, Harrods used to have the Queen's. Um, seal of approval on it right until die died and then after that it's like he went on these great big conspiracy theories about that they killed her and then of course harris no longer has the royal seal of approval oh, on it, it. Doesn't? They, all, they've been taken off it has my approval when i'm there <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a bit weird. I mean, Herod's, I mean, Dodi Fayed is, I mean, his father uh, right. has lost, he, he's Ollie. lost the company anyway. He's he's pretty yeah. much gone a little bit bankrupt or whatever now. Well, he but, spent a shit ton of money making trying to make the royal family happy. Like, uh, I didn't know that he, he restored Windsor, the Windsor home in France where the king had abdicated with, you know. The, well, I think, I think he needs, I think he needs to. I think you kind of need to put him a little bit. Let's put a little bit of perspective in it. Herod's is has a lot of statues of Egyptian mm. mummies and pharaohs and stuff. Right. And if you if you look at the faces, they're all his face that he put on all these things about the shop. I, I was wondering if that was <laughs> that is his face. Yeah. It is his face, yeah. So you know he's he's, he's a bit egocentric. To say the to say the least. It was just really interesting because I had no knowledge of this, and of course I had to go look shit up, like I always do when I don't know something because I'm a weirdo. But there was a lot of that I didn't I didn't know. That's how they introduced to Diana, and, and then the rest is all history, obviously. But this is just I don't know if I'm enjoying the season because I know this is a very dark, going to be, you know, kind of a disfiguring season for the royal family. So. You know, well, I mean, the thing is, is over here at the moment, it's big news because they're and there's like, you know, over here, they have to put everything that this is a dramatization. This is not a fact. This is not a right, documentary. Right. This is, a, you know, they change things and they add this stuff and there's private conversations that never happen. Probably. Yeah. All this other stuff. So they're, you know, I know they're pushing that agenda at the moment um because also i mean i think the crown's going to go into feeding into conspiracy theories that she might have been pregnant with Dodie's child and they might have right. killed her off because of that and all the other crap that goes along with it is that but, why they're putting all the disclaimers in front of it this season i, just, I, I didn't see any that. disclaimer yeah. well, i well i was reading that uh well uh, dame judy dench was requesting that they put stuff and that they acquiesced to her or maybe not acquiesce to her request. well because this was all done before the queen died right yeah. this season was all well you know it doesn't have it doesn't have a lot to do with that i think the problem basically is is that 
with the Diana and Charles story, it has nothing to do with the queen dying or anything like that. But what happens is, is that what you're now dealing with, you're now dealing with people whose children are going to be affected by this. Right. You know, die dies children. William and Harry are pretty much alive. They're his, you know, Di's grandchildren are going to be pretty much affected by this dramatization of this artificial life that they're creating for our, our amusement. So it's it's raised some questions and stuff like this. And it's not the royal family that's asked them to do this. Right. It's the UK government that's asked them to do this. So, you know, you can't, you know, you're, you're, you're treading on a little bit of thin line here because you're passing the stuff off as fact when in fact right. it's not fact at all. And it's right. recent history. It's a drama. Yeah. So, yeah. very recent. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other stuff, you know, it's like you can watch it and whatever like that. And the thing is, it, it's all been a dramatization of, you know, an idealized melodrama. But, you know, but in I enjoyed fact, the not... first four seasons though so much that I'm going to stick with it and see where it yeah. goes. Oh, I mean, it, it, you know, watch it for entertainment value, but don't watch it as facts. Same thing like the no. Jeffrey Dahmer. Same thing with the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. That was all I mean, the... true. If they, it had to be true. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, <laughs> but, it, was like, it has but, to be but, true. But, but it's on the internet. Yeah. But I mean, people people look at you know that's true. But the woman next door to Jeffrey Dahmer was a crack addict. Right. But the one, but the woman that they're portraying her to be is not the woman who lived next door. Is the yeah. woman of the mother of the child, children right. who lived in another building who you know were questioning about the you know the Filipino. Well, you had to make it interesting. Back. Somebody had to smell that nasty crap though. Well, no, but what, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> but, what, so, but what I'm saying is when they trade, when they move in, or a bit right. like, um, you know, Ryan well, it's artistic Murphy, license, basically. Yeah, but the problem basically is, is that people think of this as fact now. And that's the oh, problem. Gotcha. Like, right, like, like, right, like Ryan Murphy saying that Butter, Butterfly McQueen was not allowed to be at the Oscars. I know, yeah. was it Hattie McDaniels? Hattie McDaniels. Hattie McDaniels, that's a lie. She was right. she was allowed. She had to sit in the back, which is unfair in its own right. right. But she didn't have to stand outside because she was black and wait for her name to be called. That is a lie. Right. You know, say, but I mean, she had to be sat. She had to be sat. She had to be sat in the back because she had to be segregated. Now, of course, that that is wrong in its own right. But right. I mean, exactly. But now. But portraying it as that she had to be kept out in the street until her name was called is a totally different precedence that you yeah. got here. And there are people nowadays that believe that's true. I mean, I got people at work who think that's true. And I tell them, no, that's not true. This is this is the truth here. All you have to do is put on TNC and watch Gone with the Wind and you will get sat down to a 30 minute cultural extravaganza of why it's a shitty movie or not and why you should or should not watch it. But none of that stuff dissuades me. I still love Gone with the Wind. I think I still will love it to the day I die. So, I watched, yeah. you know, the other day I watched, um, I, I threw on uh, one of those old Warner DVDs for a movie called Black Legion, which is one of their, you know, social consciousness movies of, their, of the of the 30s, the where Humphrey Bogart plays a machinist who loses his job to uh, a Polish immigrant and he starts falling into, you know, the, the into a hate group basically but what i do when i get these old warner movies they have the warner night at the movies where you press a button and it shows you like a trailer from that time and uh -huh. a short and a cartoon and the short that they showed was a short film called under the southern stars which was you know very pro-slavery in a way well you know, it still kind the, of was back then they I mean, portrayed the they portrayed yeah. uh, the confederacy as the good guys and i mean yeah. 
uh, agree or disagree. I don't agree or disagree. I think the movie needs to be out there, and I think you, you know, I, I don't think you should shy away from something just because you disagree with it. I yeah. think you know, Gone with the Wind. If you're you're gonna respect it for the filmmaking, respect it for the filmmaking. I I think if you're serious I think, about I think film the problem studies, with that, Gone with the Wind glamorized yeah. the, the slavery is what that's, it did. That's, but that's, that's where we were in the 30s, though. Did it, did, but it didn't glamorize slavery. Well, not glamorize it, but it glamorized <laughs> the South. You know what I mean? You've yeah. been down it, here. Well, romanticized. I think it romanticized it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think it, yeah, I might have romanticized it, but at the same time, I mean, no, no time did I watch Gone the Wind and think, God, I wish I lived in those. I days. wish I was Big <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was Big you know, Sam. I think. God, you know, I, think I, I wish I lo- I wish I lost my plantation and. <laughs> but I think if you're serious about film studies, <laughs> and die from whooping cough. <laughs> It's a romance. It was a romantic story, so you know. Well, I mean, it's an it's an ideal. I mean, it's not it's idealized fiction at the end of the yeah. day. I mean, Gone with the Wind is not a document. It's not Schindler's List of the South. No. Is it? I mean, yeah. it's like... But I, but what, the the point that I was getting at is that I think that just because you might disagree with a movie's views doesn't right. mean you should just dismiss it, and not see it altogether. See it. See it and then yeah. criticize the parts of it that you don't like. Right, exactly. And I, th- and I think if you're, I mean, obviously, if you're serious, um, if you're serious about film, if you're seriously, you know, re- a student of film or wanting to see movies, you have to see God with the Wind. You know, whether or not you agree, it's on my shelf and I'm not, you know. I just love tr- Vivian Lee. I just love Vivian Lee. She's one of my favorite. To be, the, I mean, to be the biggest, the biggest issue would be ever wa- ever rewatching Gone with the Wind more than anything is its three hour running time. It is. It's definitely that's, long. <laughs> that's 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 the thing that's going to keep me from watching it that often. But you but, know, to, be, but to be honest, I mean, I don't look, I don't look at Gone with the Wind as like oh, it's like everything was so fine before the Civil War. Now everything's no. crap or anything like that. Basically, it's just it's a love story that takes place during the Civil War, and it's not yeah, it's not a comment. It's not a commentary on being in the South. It's not a commentary on slavery. It's not a commentary on any of that sort of stuff. It's a it's basically Pride and Prejudice of South right. the Southern states. And the outtakes <laughs> of Olivia De Havilland's potty mouth are epic. <laughs> but I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's like, you know, you have to look at times when things when things were written at that time. I mean, it's a bit exactly. like Oliver Twist. If you look at the, you know, when um, Dickens writes Oliver Twist, Fagin is not a very good representation of the Jewish people. No. <laughs> so it's like in the way that it's written and that's what it's about, you know, yeah. you, you know. And the thing is, you have to look at how things are written and what and the time period that they're written and how things are like things today that are written now that we might find socially acceptable in 20 to 30 years time. They may not be. No. Yeah. Does that no, make they them, won't does... be. There's there's stuff 10 years ago people are crying about. So, I mean, it just, just depends on where, where you're at. The re- the reason the main reason to watch a lot of these older movies is or at least it's my my main reason to watch. I was telling a, a young woman, at, a young woman that I worked with over the summer that was uh, that was an aspiring filmmaker. And I told her that the reason that I watch so many movies from the, from the thirties, forties, fifties is it, I can walk like a movie from 2020. I, I could walk outside and see what life is like in the 2020s. Right. I never like the movies from the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s are a window to a time that I'm never going to see. So to me, I, I mean, if you watch a civil war epic from the 1930s, there's very there's a likelihood, unlikely because at that point they would have been way too old. There's some likelihood that somebody 
in that movie alive. or worked in that movie was alive during the civil during the civil war. Um, Not a strong, you know, yeah. So there, there's, there's that, there's that angle of it that that always intrigued me. Like if you watch, you know, uh, something like The Lodger, which took place what uh, thirty, you know, it was made thirty five years after the Jack the Ripper murders. But when it was Jack the Whitechapel murders, were they Victorian? 1890s. Yeah. yeah, lady. So there's a there's a possibility that if you watch The Lodger, you know, there people working on this movie were alive during that time. So there's right. kind of a little bit of um, I love a little bit of a historical context to it that like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have now, and that's what makes those movies interesting. Is that yeah, you you could see mm-hmm. through the eyes of people who lived at a time that you're never going to see. Yeah, that's why everything. I, I also think that there's a difference between history books and and entertainment i mean okay i i watch nightmare on elm street okay and i and i like freddy krueger does that mean i i love i think that all child sex killers should be sit there and i'm armored and ever and i'm really much like think that they're fantastic people no i don't because it's a movie you know it's a movie it's entertainment that's it i don't need to go deeper into any of this you know, yeah. Well, I would hope you know, that people would use that kind of common sense when it comes to, you know, a toasted, you know, pedophile that likes to kill the neighborhood children. <laughs> like, well, oh, it's, it's, a bit, it's, been like, it's been like Bugs Bunny when Elmer Fudd gets shot in the face and he does, oh, mammy. Do I think, you know, do I figure that's so, that should that should happen to everyone? No, I do not. It's just, oh my I, God, it's just I a totally cartoon. Forgot about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> but it's just oh. a cartoon. It's just yeah. it's just what it is. Now, should they be doing that stuff today? No. Did they Probably do it not. back then? Yes. Okay. So it's different times. Well, I think yeah. What are you still... going to do about it now? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think you can still look at art from the time that art was in its at its day. It doesn't mean you have to accept the politics of this day. Oh, you God, just look no. at it for what it was now, sort of thing. Yeah. I... You, don't, you don't think you have to feed a lot. I don't think you... I don't think many people, unless they sit there and are really bored on social media, spend a lot of time watching movies and then figuring out if they're going to be offended by them or not. Because I don't know. I think you some watch people a movie out there and really leave. don't have a life anymore. <laughs> There's some people that will. So I mean, I, if something happens, it's something. I mean, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't, you know, was basically, you know, enticed to kill people because of Exorcist Three and Return of the Dead. <laughs> So, I mean, to be honest, so, so should we, you know, so, so do I think that, you know, those walking, talking teddy bears and Return of the Jedi are going to turn people into serial killers? No, but no, they're I going not. after Jeffrey Dahmer's <laughs> father now. I forget um, why. I think he wanted to, something about a book he wrote or something, and they don't want it to come to fruition because of the Netflix series. His, his, his book, his book was out. His I read his book. I reviewed his book 20, 15, 20 years ago. It's been out. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know it's out, but out something just recently after, happened yeah. with it. He um, what he did when that book came out is that twenty five or thirty percent of the proceeds that he made to that he gave to the victim's family. The victim's family are now saying that they want not 100% of the proceeds. Okay, which is a because bit, of the Netflix series, probably. Well, I mean, I don't know, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think most of the money's probably gone now anyway. So it's like, do you, you know, now the question is, do you backdate it? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I you know, yeah. I mean, there's plenty, anyway. there's plenty, I'm just saying that there's a plenty of people who are making the money off of John Wayne Gacy's name. There's a new, there's a new, biography that i just read of his that was sent to me for review that just the 
I'm, I'm reviewing. I'm writing the review for now, and that'll go out. And that book's coming out for sale in two weeks' time. So, and I'm sure that author's probably going to be living off the proceeds of that book if it does well. Because Netflix so, is probably doing John Wayne Gacy next. I'll bet you a chocolate donut. And I haven't even well, read it. Well, they are, turn, they are turning it into a series now. Oh, so. they are? I heard so, that Ryan Murphy is going to be doing more of the uh, these style series. But I don't know if, who's next. He's perfect for it. He, he definitely, he's got it down. He just well, definitely well, it's a bit like, well, I mean, let's look at Ed Kemp, for instance, the sorority killer. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, most of the um, audiobooks that you listen to or buy nowadays are actually narrated by him. Mm. He's the number. He's the number one audiobook narrator now. Well, he's got the time. <laughs> so the question now is like, so should they subpoena all whatever whatever money that where that money's going? So they, I mean, he's never going to get out. So I don't know why, why, where that money goes or where how it's spent or anything like that. But. Should the victims now subpoena that? Or, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird kind of thing that, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I don't think Jeffrey Dahmer's father wrote a book basically because he thought he was going to make a lot of money off it. I think he wanted, I think he wrote a book because it was Catholicist for him to figure out how his son became like this. And I think it was more about that than like, I'm going to cash in on my son being a serial killer. It's not OJ, if I did it, here's how I did it. If I did, oh my God. (laughs) That that should be up there in stupidest fucking book ever written. I don't know if that ever got released. I remember it got leaked out on the internet, but I think it was, was, they froze it. It was going to, but I think that they froze it from being, I I know it got leaked out online because I saw pages from it, but. I think, um, I I think he went to jail. I think that's what stopped it from um, being released. He went went to Florida and basically um, battered someone. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, we'll here. I thought it was Vegas. Yeah, he he. Vegas. Uh, someone, that was Vegas. It was he broke Vegas. into somebody's hotel room to get like a suit or his high. I think it was back. Reno, was, actually. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Reno. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to get his stuff back because they were selling his trophies That's and his heard, yeah. Super Bowl rings and yada. But anyway, we got we got off on our tangent early. But but the crown <laughs> is worth watching. Our and, first and, tangent, Vicky. I know. Well, because and I I brought up Mario Bava first in Joe's defense. So, Thank you, uh, Celeste, if you're listening. <laughs> Vicky brought him up. But no, actually, for some reason, I kept thinking that was in color for some reason. It was driving me nuts. But The Crown, and, and definitely New York City for American Horror Story, it's really good. I can't, I love it, so. I love that you could backtrack and remember how we got off track to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I did that either. I'm kind of amazed myself sometimes. We, but, we went we went from Mario Bava to uh, brought it all the way around. And then we still somehow. don't know what Keith has been up to. I haven't been up to a lot actually. I'm working. We had a tube strike here, so London was shut down yesterday. Oh my god! So I really? From home yesterday. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I'm working on this children's book. I've been commissioned to write, so I'm writing that at the moment. Um. um works fine i've been going down the um discovery plus wormhole so i've been watching a lot of like i bought a funeral home and while this family <laughs> bought this funeral home and redone it and so it's like a fantastic house and i've been watching um the murder hotel about it's a three-part documentary series about wh homes <laughs> oh i gotta finish watching that i did it's that re- reenactments which is quite good and the um 
lots of murder shows. <laughs> it's, it's like it's Discovery Plus over here is a channel that basically has like TLC and crime yeah. and investigation yeah. and reality. So it's all those. And now I'm watching Jerry Springer's tabloid show, which basically has <laughs> all these tabloids and reenacts them. And then he interview people who are still alive. And oh, God, yeah, Jerry I've been going Springer. down that wormhole later. And then Jerry you know, Springer Trixie... was just a staple 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Had to watch and Springer. I mean, I've been watching extreme extreme home makeovers with the, the ginger gay guy from Modern Family, Jesse. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> now, he now he now takes over that program. So I watched all those. And, <laughs> and Trixie Mattel, the famous drag queen from RuPaul's Bottom Motel. So they're redoing that in Palm Springs. So I'm watching that, you know, which is quite good because I saw bless, you know, you know. Bless his soul. Leslie Jordan was on there and he died two weeks ago. So uh-huh. it was quite interesting to see him. And and then Belinda Carlisle was on there. So obviously she got she lost weight and she must have problems with her eyes because she kept her sunglasses on. So she must be aging around the eyes to hide that. So but Belinda's 60 some odd years old now. So I think know. she still looks pretty good. I imagine she does. No, but I'm just saying she kept I'm just saying in this and the when she appeared on the show, she kept her sunglasses on the whole time. So I imagine that maybe she's aging around the eyes. Do you want people to see? I don't know. <laughs> it was the sun was the sun wasn't that bright on the day that they were filming her. Let's just put it there. <laughs> the style. Well, you're there. She's walking around like Jackie O. I'm not quite sure. But besides that, um, I haven't been really watching other stuff than regular, regular stuff here. Settling in for winter. I think it sounds like what we're all doing. <laughs> selling yeah, in for dude. winter so doing that sort of thing and are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd amazing designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar they bring professionalism to a high standard and they're able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more affordable expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code 1-805-203-0427 we love them so much here at the literary license podcast that we use them ourselves Well, on that note, this brings us to Batman the Anime Series. First episode is Be a Clown. Uh, Be a Clown is a story about Mayor Hamilton Hill's miserable son, Jordan, becomes even sadder when his father uses his birthday party as a political gathering rather than a normal celebration and ends up stowing away in the truck of the party clown hired by Hill for the party whom he doesn't know is actually the Joker in disguise. It is now up to Batman, whom Mayor Hill distrusts, to rescue this boy before it is too late. Interesting thing before we start discussing Be a Clown is that the um, the classic scene on the roller coaster would be part of a computer game of it was the first boss fight against the Joker in the adventures of Batman and Robin the video game which was inspired by the same scene of this episode so let's start off with you Joe what are your thoughts of be a clown well the the thing that uh the thing that interests me the most is that uh 
uh, the mayor kind of brings this on himself because he's he's doing his uh, he's doing an interview. I don't remember what the interview was, but he's being interviewed on TV and he talks about these freaks that uh, that are in the city, these masked freaks. And he specifically brings up the Joker and you cut to the Joker who's watching this on TV and kind of perks up. And I, it kind of feels like, dude, you just you just poked the bear. <laughs> You know? <laughs> and on top of that, he's getting Batman involved and saying he's just as much a criminal as the Joker and the rest of them do. So that didn't help. The, so yeah, you offended it, it the is. clown. Don't offend the clown. Yeah, yeah. Don't you know you you literally brought him up while you were talking about you know all you know the, the these these terrible you know masked uh, masked freaks around the city. You don't want to do that. Um, thing that uh that, that stood out to me we, we kind of have in two episodes we'll get to the other one later we kind of have right. this this kind of uh skewed father-son uh uh relationship um the, the strange familial uh, relationships we get into we get into right. two of those um i'm trying not to get them mixed up right now um the scenes in the carnival are really really fun for this one i really enjoyed those but so um, dark i mean this is is this a children's cartoon or is this adult swim here because <laughs> i'm just sitting here going this is i mean you got people getting shot there's all kind of not that i don't love the violence i love it but i mean it's it's like wow little kids are watching this and then it's like holy the shit thing. it's so the best thing about the, the early <laughs> seasons of animated series before the parents come in and say no don't do any of that don't do any of that yeah. they get away with so much in the early days they did actually i, I mean yeah. i enjoy it quite but, it's, a bit. but it's okay to put their kids in front of the news every night so yeah. Like, okay. yeah we don't <laughs> need that. This, we don't want we don't want artificial violence but it's okay to watch real life violence there yeah. you go <laughs> But this is a, again. It's one of those one of those episodes where you could kind of see the the kind of classic film, uh, like like you could kind of get a sense of like a Todd Browning uh, influence or like you know some some noirs like Nightmare Alley. You can kind of you can kind of see where that stuff kind of influenced the people behind it. So that 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 was the part that was intriguing to me watching all this. Um, it very, very much. I kept thinking. Uh, I kept thinking of the old carnival movies and stuff like that. So, yeah. really enjoyed this one for that uh, for that aesthetic of it. It did kind of. It did kind of show the way. Well, it was really carnivals. Really did have all that stuff back in the day. Things have changed somewhat since yeah. COVID, but they did have all those scary crap and the intimidating rides and the fun houses and. And again, it's, we brought this up, I think, on the first episode, like you kind of don't re like you, it doesn't really commit to like what time period this is taking place in. Because, again, I got like no. I got like a 1930s feel. The cars and the dress. Well, that, yeah. 1930s feel, but with modern technology for the 1990s, which was which is really, really strange. Um, also, there's a. Uh, uh, Sean brought this up a while back, and actually, I should have him have him give it to us. He's the one that that, that uh, discovered uh, the laugh of that uh, that animated uh, the, the uh, animatronic uh, clown, the robot clown. Yeah, that's the uh, the Tim Curry laugh. That's the uh, the uncredited. It's an uncredited cameo of Tim Curry's. Oh, it is laugh. Yeah, that's the um, when he bumps into the statue. That little ha 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 ha. Oh, I didn't even notice. I'm gonna have to go back and look. It's one of those things, yeah. Go back and just think Pennywise in the back of your head yeah. when you hear that clown. Uh, you know. uh, yeah. 
it's a little bit a little bit of uh, Tim Curry still left over from uh, his recordings. I like the idea of the um, bombing with the baby and the the brown smoke yes. coming out of the baby's diaper. Oh, where, the, where right. is he keeping the, those? The, he's going upside down on a roller coaster. Where is he keeping those bombs? That he's, he's pulling out a baby's. Oh, the QP doll bombs, or he's just <laughs> tossing them everywhere. Yeah, where was he getting those? He, they just like they just kept like. I guess he just pulled them out of his ass, basically, because there's really nowhere else to put them. Yeah, were they all just sitting there just in case Batman comes after him? Was he still acting like Jekko the Clown when he did that, though? Was Jek is, is Okay, before I... Like I said, I'm new to the, the series, like you guys are analyzing it. But is Jekko the Clown, like, another... Is he going to come back sometime? Or is he no. somebody that... Or is he just he a one-time thing? It was, as far as I know, it's just a one-time thing. He was a guy hired for a kid's birthday party that got bonked on the head. I don't okay. think that is, like, a reoccurring character or anything like that. But uh, he was, at that point, he had already pulled the clown mask off of his actual clown face. Right. So he was no longer Jekyll. He was, uh, he was going full blown as Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Removes the clown mask to, well, to reveal his clown that, face. It's true. I mean, well, it would appear that the mayor was borrowing trouble for insulting everybody. Yeah, it's just, you got to pick and choose who you're going to insult. The bat, he's not going to care. The murderous clown. That's, psycho clown, like, yeah. Why, yeah, why would he constantly breaks out of jail? psycho murderous clown? <laughs> he is kind of scary because there's no Cesar Romero or whatever, you know, about this time. He is not a fun clown. It's a scary cartoon clown. Well, I mean, he's he, just scary. He, he, he's, he kills people. He's aiming to kill people. Yeah. The joke. The Joker in 60, 60s Joker um, TV series doesn't kill yeah. people. This, I mean, this Joker is the real Joker. I mean, he basically tries to kill people. I mean, I, I love it when Jordan Hill asks him, like, oh, how do I become a great magician like you? And he goes, there are three steps. Step one, yeah. run away. Step two, find a magician with a great act. Step three, steal it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some great lines in this as well. And I have to, I have to sit there and say, the, the politics in it are quite interesting as, as well. If you consider the simple fact that, you know, we get this in politics, we get this today, that basically if something horrible happens in the world and then politicians like, and then they, you know, Capitalize and they look at... That. Well, they do capitalize on it and they go by what public opinion is. So they wait like 24 hours, find out what public opinion is, and they come out and give us what our public opinion is of whatever. And this is probably, you know, this is pretty much what you get here as well, which I thought was quite interesting, to, especially put this into an animated series. That There's a lot of stuff that kind of does reflect things that do happen in every day, which I quite liked. I liked his cards, his, his cards that stuck in the wall. <laughs> Just like they were sharp. <laughs> Ching, ching, ching. Those were cool. We uh, Sean and I used those in a in a screenplay. We we had a the tribute we, to Ricky J. Yeah, the, the great the, Ricky J. and have, his card, we have our card tricks. Using razor tipped uh, razor tipped cards in a scene, which I thought I, I thought was fun. I always thought those were a fun idea. Didn't didn't Jordan think that Batman was like still acting or goofing around when he was upside down in the tank that was filling up with water because it didn't really look like he's kidding around at that point to me. He and realized really Black Man is yeah. really drowning here. That's the joke, kid. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't quite get it. <laughs> but Well, yeah. I mean, another thing is, is at that point that's, that's where we see the Joker is like, you know, I think that's when you realize that the clown's not being funny, that the clown's basically a murderous clown. That's when it yeah. all comes to fruition, doesn't it? So, yeah. 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 
I mean, um, it's a little bit of trivia in this one is, is that um, the when the Joker displays the great prosciutto, it's a caricature of the comic writer and stuff um, described magician Alan Moore, who did the killing, who wrote the killing joke. So it's his picture. Oh, I didn't even. I'm gonna look at that. I didn't recognize that. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh. That's uh, yeah. So we're gonna do it back and look at. But at least, I mean, you did. You have the father son dynamic going on, which kind of works itself out. But why do these kids look like mini adult gentlemen? These kids in the cartoons do not look like kids. I mean, you just like get them. You know, put a ball cap. I couldn't just, he had to say he looks like a mini me. He looked like, I, I don't know, somewhere, I'd say 15, maybe 16. Well, see, so I thought he was supposed I, to I think they're portraying boy. him. I think that they're supposed to be portraying him as younger, but he definitely was drawn to be. I was trying to figure out what vibe was going Yeah, I thought, I thought he was about teenage years sort of thing. Okay, because they made it sound like he was a little boy. You got a birthday party going on, but then they used it for political reasons. But I kind of thought that he was supposed to be just a little bit younger, maybe 10, 12. I, think I was the confused. Youth, so. The youthful innocence of wanting to be a magician. You don't really, yeah. you don't really see that in a teenage years and, and these days. Not so. not these days, anyway. No, so. I mean, I also, I mean, to be honest, I had to double check, but I thought he I, he sounded a lot like Flounder from Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Flounder's well, yeah, voice. There. Like, what's was Flounder doing in this? No, it's not. It's the guy, he's the guy who plays Hey Arnold, the friend of Hey Arnold in the animated oh, series. Right. Well, Mark Hamill was the Joker in this episode, right? Yeah. yeah. The, I think Mark Hamill's always the Joker on this. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's always the Joker on this. The They keep the voices quite consistent now. I mean, Alfred is characters going always going to be um, Zembalist now. I'm right. from Zembalist Jr. now. It'll be him now from now on in. So, but, um, but yeah, I quite, I mean, I thought Be a Clown was quite a little, I quite liked I it actually. It. I liked it. I like the the roller coaster and and the fact that the roller coaster had come apart and you know Batman's got to save the day and you know I mean it's and the kid's kind of a little shit basically but he does kind of learn a lesson so there's a little moral turpitude in it no matter what. So. Well, I thought I thought he, I thought it was quite interesting because he's not he's he's not he's not a horrible kid because of no, just being a horrible, horrible rich kid. He's a horrible kid because he's a neglected kid because of his parents sort of thing. Yeah. And I thought they did that quite well and then. And then, of course, you get the little morality tale at the end that, you know, son, I'll pay more attention to you. Thanks. Yeah. Man. You know, sort of thing that you kind of get with that. But at the same, at the same time, they didn't really over-egg the pudding either sort of thing. And, yeah. And it was quite, and then we also get a really a good introduction of Bruce Wayne in this political setting of where he, where he right. fits. And obviously that he's an influential person to be, to be coming along to these events sort of thing. Don't know what he bought, Jordan. Be interesting to know, but unfortunately, that went to the. They didn't. The they never pool. said what he got him. Now, okay. Yeah. So who knows? The roller coaster was really interesting, though. The Cupid doll-shaped grenades were, you know, epic. Even though I still don't know where he was getting them from. They happen <laughs> to land right in the seat of the lead car, of course, and it derails, but nobody dies. <laughs> that, I mean, they're. they're there is a point where Jordan could die in this. I mean, when right. Joker when Joker flies out and you know, lands in water, right? You know, Batman didn't kill anyone, so um, and that ever popular boot mirror with whatever is in it that he tries to spray Batman in the face with. 
Well, the thing is, um, that boutonniere normally has acid in it, but um, right. unfortunately, the um, fox told um, told the animators that they can't put acid in it because that's not what they to do. Because kids will start putting acid, start flying Oh, that's true. You can't have kids putting acid in boutonnieres. Just you can put bro, bro hypnol <laughs> is, is so easy thing. to access when you're a yeah, child. Yeah, where do they think you know what? When I was a little <laughs> kid, my parents used to get me chemistry labs. I could have built a freaking empire. I did have a chemistry five, kit when okay? I was a kid. Oh, and Remember I did those, make, Keith? Uh, the, they had all of the chemicals and the test tubes and everything. You could have blown yeah. up anything with those. They came in a metal box. I mean, the good old days, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing the funny thing about this though is that in 20 between 2010 and 2015 kids were throwing acid in people's faces here and it was a thing in the UK in London. Oh, yeah, and in, in in the UK. What's where were they getting it? I have no idea. It's high, you can I buy mean, sulfuric um, acid anywhere. So, sulfuric acid and a little bit of water goes a long way, I suppose. But it was a thing. Because I'll be honest, I was kind of like laughing about it. But then I think about it, it's like, oh, my God, we had like acid attacks going on here. We're like kid, little, you know, we're talking about 12 to 13 year olds are taking acid and throwing it into adult people's faces. It was a thing for, ass. it was like, it's it like what knife crime is here now. It's like, it was a thing. And you're like. It was a okay. thing. <laughs> what? Like, I'm trying to figure out like why they would even do this. Because nobody I mean, beats um, their ass. That's why. Do you not understand the repercussions of what they were doing, maybe? Uh, um, they think it might have been like gang um initiation. Gang that yeah, that would that make makes sense. Initiate you into being a, to being in a gang or something. Jeez. So huh. why can't but they yeah, just like do like the something. good old days and go get drunk in the graveyard and stay there all night long, you know? I mean the the, the, the good stuff. No, you gotta hurt people now. Okay, but but nowadays, if you get a bunch of kids in the graveyard, all they're gonna do is text each other. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Talking and drinking. I can't What's imagine best... having a phone back then. I just can't. I just can't. So, it's, so you could do that. You could shit talk people behind their backs, right to their faces. I'm really out. glad we didn't have phones back. God, man, my life would be over. But it's just the way it is. Mm. But no, that's an excellent episode. I enjoyed it quite yeah, a bit. I, yeah, it was, it, it, it was it's a fun there. one. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the uh, the first one of the. I, I enjoyed all four to, uh, this week. So, yeah, absolutely. Our next episode is Two-Face Part 1. Mobster Rupert Thorne attempts to use Harvey Dent's secret split personality to blackmail him. But when Dent meets with Thorne at a chemical plant, Big Bad Harv takes over and the resulting confrontation leads to an ex explosion that horribly scars half of Dent's face and his entire body. So, Sean, what are your thoughts about Two-Face Part 1? This is a great introduction to Two Face. Uh, we've met Harvey. We haven't right. really we uh, we met and we meet Big Bad Harv in this one. The the Mister Hyde character personality of the of dual Harvey. personality exactly. And he's it is a fascinating look at 
this character. Um, I did like uh, the John Vernon character of Rupert Thorne. It's whenever you hear that voice, you immediately think Animal House and Dean yeah. Wormer. Dean Wormer. The, the Dean Wormer, yeah. And and, and uh, but he, he he does have that. He does carry uh, himself well in that role. I um, I I personally every time Two Face is created, so to speak, um, every the transformation, whether it be having acid thrown in his face uh, or whether it be having the explosion. Uh, caused the split in his personality. Um, you always kind of get a different uh, take on it. This one, you get the explosion. And I, I think that the humanity is still there. Usually the humanity is completely blown out of them. And in most interpretations, maybe it'll, maybe it'll slowly deteriorate away as we go on with this character. But uh, in not seeing this episode in a while, and oh, it's more, more in the, when we get to the part two than part one. Right. But, uh, there's a lot of similarities between this episode or these, this two-parter and how he's portrayed in Batman Forever. That was the one thing that jumped out at me, whether it be how he stopped, whether it be just the way he... Um, oh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah, the well, way he, I, he embraces the evil side. Yeah. Well, what, whatever happens in Batman Forever, turn him from Billy D. Williams into Tommy Lee Jones. So, right. <laughs> well, that was the thing watching this. Uh, Joe and I noticed we, it, we're like in hindsight, uh, we thought, you know, there's a striking similarity between Harvey Dent and Barack Obama. And it's just one of those things. There's no looks way. Like him. He looks like him. He, oh, he, but he's sideways. He kind of does. Like profile. I'm like, that, he looks like Obama. And he it was kind of does. Kind of does. But, I mean, it's. 15 years before yeah, Obama's election. Obviously, there's, so. there's no way that there could be any similarities. No, but I mean, it, it, but it, it was just one of those things. Right. Okay, but, so Harvey yeah. Dent, when, he, when he's big bad Harv or whatever, okay, yeah. so the acid has disfigured him, but he seems like he changes when his personality changes and the physical ugly comes with it. Is that part of this? It seems like the when he, this other personality is a lot stronger, a lot more aggressive, a lot more violent. It had all of, it's just that super surge of rage. It's not like he could flip a car or anything like that, but he it, just it, flips it, a coin. I mean, that is so important to him. The, the coin, well, everything, because is chance. everything is he has you know, chance. Yes. And he doesn't have, and he doesn't have to take responsibility of his choices because the, the coin, coin. Is, is the chance. It's basically it's your destiny. This is what destiny is speaking to, and that's what speaks for that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to, to be honest, the animated version of Two-Face and how he becomes Two-Face, I think is a lot more well put together than the movie. The the, the Batman movie, and even when we see him in the Chris Nolan version of Batman, yeah, it right. makes more sense because he's already got a split personality that he is fighting. I do question the psychiatry involved here. If someone's got a split personality or you think that they have this hidden... It's normally not a good idea in psychological practices to be hypnotizing that person to bring that sec that person out. That's sort of you like that's sort of like when they were hypnotizing Reagan and asking the person inside of Reagan to come out. Like yes. they didn't work out there either. 
Well, I mean, what you do with a split personality and stuff like this is that what you do is when they do come out, then you deal with the person. Because the thing is, if you do, if you do bring them out while they're hypnotized, right. the problem is if you're hypnotizing personality number one, and then the second personality comes out, the second personality is not hypnotized. So getting the second personality put back into the box, unhypnotized personality number one doesn't really work. So the, the psychiatry was a bit goofy here so but... try to explain the psychiatry a little bit like how he was trying to protect himself though i mean i don't know why he got mentally ill though because a free get her introduced um what's her name um is his grace is introduced and she seems like the only literally saving grace pardon the pun when it comes to him but even that doesn't seem to work as you get involved with other stuff but he just doesn't seem to have any hope you know, once he loses his looks, which he prided, you know. Well, I, th I think with the split personality of Harvey Dent, basically, is what you have. Is you, you got the good Harvey, and he's always trying to be good, trying to do the right thing, always trying to do that. And basically, that's the catalyst of what happened in his younger days when he was a bully, when he, he was being bullied. And when he finally retaliated against the bully, the person he retaliated with was hospitalized though he thought it was because he slugged him mm. that he was put into this um life and death situation the bully was but right so he carried around this guilt with him so therefore it's like you know you know always trying to be the good person always trying to be the best person fighting against being normal but what about the, the dream he Overcompensation. had he has that nightmare where he's confronted uh he's got like a doppelganger and he keeps flipping a coin over and over what was with the dream he wakes up and He's all freaked out. What is his secretary, Carlos? I think it is. That's big bad horror taking big over. Okay, big out. bad horror taking over. Okay. But you know, when we get to uh, part two, I mean, you you get you get more of that. I think you get more of an understanding who Two Face is. This, this is kind of like an you know, basically, let's understand sure, well, Harvey Dent in the first instance and figure out who Harvey Dent is. It probably doesn't help that Grace freaks out when she sees his face. Like, oh, no, I ain't marrying that. <laughs> you know, because well, he's kind of ugly. Let's, you know, I can turn well, a blind eye to a lot of things myself as a woman, but that's kind of bad. But another, so but another thing is. But another thing is, you have to remember that we met Harvey Dent previous to this as right. well. So, I mean, to be honest, this this split personality situation might not have been present during pre, uh, Pretty Poison, but because of the because of the poisons and stuff that is our the toxins that were in his body, this might been something that could have carried Not it through really, fruition no, as well yeah ultimately that's kind of what i what i wished for this is that it would have been more of a slow burn like if the the turn into into two-face would have come like maybe in season two i think i would have liked it better like i just feel like well I, I feel like we could have done more in establishing a lot of the stuff like big bad harv Having right. come out slowly over the course of the season, yeah. Yeah, if it had come out slowly over the course of the season, maybe the end of the season, that's when it, that's when he switches off. Because I feel like it's kind of early. I, I really felt like we could have shown more of how idealistic Harvey Dent is as mm. far as how, how he's going to change everything. Um, and then, yeah, if we would have seen a little the little glimmer of Big Bad Harvey, like, uh, like in the beginning here where he's brutalizing uh, – this uh the, the criminal who kicked it was kicked mud in his face or something kicked, kicked mud all over his kicked suit mud on his suit. Yeah. yeah yeah if we would have seen just that in this episode and it would add, like but uh, but i again i'm also i'm also thinking of it in terms of like a long-term story which they probably didn't have 
because you, you know with this kind of thing you need to reset everything at the end of the episode so if right. you're building it along that along those lines and you that would require everybody to be on, in front of their tvs every week at the same time which in you know 1992 93 maybe wasn't really feasible they were doing that for X-Men, the animated series. I don't think that they weren't doing it for, for Batman. Yeah, X-Men was doing it, yeah. X-Men, X-Men the animated series. And it was frustrating it. For if you were watching and you missed a week or two, because then you'd have to wait till summer yeah. to, to get the entire storyline. That's right, yeah. Because, yeah. again, it wasn't like today where, you know, if, I, if, if I'm not home when, uh, when Chucky airs, I could watch it the next morning on Peacock and be fine. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not the way it was back then. But I, I, I think I... I prefer more, you know, if you're, if you're going to do that, I prefer, you know, kind of spreading it out and, uh, and making us wait a little bit, but you know, obviously you can't really do that in, in this scenario in the nineties. But I mean, what is quite interesting is, is that um, any of the changes that do happen with any of the characters in this Batman universe, I mean, I have to sit there and say that they were able to keep those small changes through they carrying were. through, yeah. which you'll, you'll see sort of thing, especially when we get into Selena Kyle's characters. And of course, when we get into Poison Ivy's, not Poison Ivy, but um, Harlequin backstory, Harlequin. which is quite interesting in its own right when we get to that sort of I stuff. I can't wait to get to those because I've never seen any of those. I'm kind of excited about those because I love oh. her. <laughs> well, especially so like fun. when you get into like, you get into how those two got in a relationship is quite, you know, it's quite a, yeah. a, a great, a great little episode. So, you know, so the things that we saw with Harvey Dent here, I mean, they do, these changes with Harvey Dent do carry through for the rest of the the series, which is quite good. Quite but does he struggle? So. I mean, the struggle's kind of over when you get to season two, though, isn't it? But, but who his struggles, over? his struggles, always good. There's always that good side sort of thing. It's you always know, with he, Harvey Dent. A, There's always the little bit of the one that clings to law, order, justice. Right. There's that okay. part of him that still comes out, and then it it is almost. The way it's usually framed is you see the camera showing one side and then cuts to the other side and he's talking in the in the big bad Harv voice and then he cuts back and it's Harvey and then it's big bad Harv and it's usually kind of that going back and forth. But so he's this angry because of repressed memories of a bully he could not compete with or is he's. He doesn't like, he likes to be controlled. He likes to have control. It's when he loses control, that big bad Harv comes out when he has no control over all that around him. Right. But it Um, says he represses his anger for so long that he develops a a personality disorder because of it, is what I'm asking. Well, I think that's, that would happen to almost anybody. If something happens and um, you always got to be the good guy and you repress we, we, you repress any negative feelings that you may have, no matter what they are. If you keep repressing those, you're going to have you are going to have problems because you have those negative feelings for in the ways to help process your emotions and and process things in your life. You know, should you be? But you know, it's you should never be one. You know, it's, you know, you should never be too far to the right or too far to the left is best just to be in the middle of your life sort of thing because if you if you're happy all the time you, you know you're going to have something negative if you're if you're angry all the time there's stuff there's going to be a negativity that's going to happen from right. that right so well gonna, yeah things will eat a person up you let it yeah. fester and if, and if you're walking around like you're you know like you're a game show hostess you know walking around with smiles and nothing bothers you the chances are because everything that's bothering you, just repressing and repressing and pressing it, it only takes a, you know, uh, it, it won't be long until that starts bubbling over. And next thing you know, it's like, you know, you killed someone in a, 
nightclub because they said they didn't like your shoes. You know, yeah. <laughs> like... think about this. Think about the stress of what it must be like to be the district attorney of Gotham City. Your job is to put away all these criminals and they get out within like six Everybody weeks. Everybody wants to live in Gotham City That's though. A, I mean, I, everyone wants to live there, but I mean, your job is to protect it by putting away the criminals that just escape. And it, and then the only way saving grace you have is some guy who dresses like a bat who yeah. you're cool with, but at the same end. Well, he's, still, he's still demonized up yeah. throughout the, the, the reoccurring, you know, bat. He's still demonized, so. He should be. I mean, he's a, he's a vigilante. Well, he's, he's a dude in a, a bat suit. I mean, yeah. you know, but he's got great toys. But to be honest, he, he's, I mean, he's basically fighting people that basically who he thinks is guilty. Chances are mo not most of the time they are guilty, but it's right. who he thinks is guilty. It's not who the law thinks is guilty. Yeah, and he has he has no accountability for anything. Anything he could do whatever he, you know, he's somebody behind the mask. They don't know who he is. He gets it wrong. It doesn't matter because he's not officially on the police force. The police have to have to set like in theory. The theory in of theories theory. is you have to set the standard. And you have to abide by all these rules to make sure everybody gets a fair shake. Batman just goes, oh, I think that guy's in it. And we see yeah. it in one of the earlier episodes where he's walking around Gotham City looking for people to beat up uh, around <laughs> Christmas time because, like, <laughs> damn it, he's not committing a crime. All right. Damn it, Gotta nobody's committed any crimes. So you we see, see it on the odd. You see it in this one, though. Uh, Harvey was more than happy because there was the hostage situation. He walks up, oh, hey, Jordan, how's it going? And immediately gets shot at. And then Batman goes in, saves the day. You hear a big explosion. You start seeing bodies flying out the window. And Harvey, ready to take all the credit. Yeah, this was my operation. I'm complete. So he's willing to take the credit. He's. I think he's <laughs> He's more cool with Batman. You know, we won't say it publicly, but hey, if he's willing to clean up the mess, these guys just shot at me. I'm cool with it. Whatever. I love, how they, make, I love how they make Bruce Wayne to look like a big dumbbell, though. And he's such a womanizer. <laughs> you don't catch his glimpse of womanizing. You know, you see that full-figured, our Jessica Rabbit figure or whatever, and he's talking to it. Oh, he's got a split, you know. I mean, <laughs> those little things just crack me up. They do. I love it. I mean, another thing you have to say is, what's, what's one thing that Batman's doing that police officers are not allowed to do? Beat, beat the, the shit, beat the beat shit out of the, the criminals. criminals. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which you know? they need, he, desperately. Uh, I mean, but you can't do that. In law, in, you know, it's against the law to do that. Sadly. You know? So. Some of them need it. Well, the, the I mean, you you could say somebody needs it, but who's to decide who that is? Because if you if you do that to everybody who you suspect of committing a crime, no, not if you suspect, not not if you suspect. I mean, you gotta they gotta be dead to rights. There's a lot of people walking around Dallas that really need their ass beat, but no one <laughs> will do it. But you know, it's just the way of things. There's a lot of people everywhere that need their ass beat, but you know, <laughs> you, know you unless you. Unless you can absolutely state for a fact that what they're doing is a criminal act, you really can't. And that's ultimately the issue with Batman. It's a, it's what it's, 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 it's Bullock's Bullock's issue with Batman, and Bullock comes off as kind of an asshole sometimes. Yeah, well, he, Batman is kind of an asshole sometimes, don't you think? He's kind of a narcissistic. Well, I mean, I he mean, is. 
I mean, but he does. I mean, there's really, I mean, outside of Alfred, there's not really anyone from the bounce ideas off of or idea ideologies no. off of really. So basically, he's he holds his own console, which, which in yeah. case if you're the only if you're the only person that you can confide in is yourself, chances are there's gonna be a problem there. Well, anyway. he, he's, I mean, a, that, he's a young, rich playboy, but he's he's got heart. So he, he's he, but he, flat, so. he, but no, he's he's a rich young playboy who's ice. He's an isolated young rich playboy and he's but he's also an isolated vigilante as well was that he's by not, choice in the in the backstory is his isolation oh his parent his parents died and i don't i mean i don't know there's i'm just wondering because it's in I mean, every story every movie he just well, I'm, I'm just saying that we i don't know if he went back to school or if he was homeschooled or he went to a boarding school or i don't know what his education is but he, he didn't seem to hold on to a lot of friends no <laughs> he yeah. didn't have a lot you know, like he, even when he says that him and Harvey are close, I mean, you know, we do get Harvey, you know, when we get introduced to Harvey, you know, basically introducing the pretty poison, but there is kind of a, you know, what is close for Bruce Wayne? Yeah. You can't really be close to anybody. The only person so, he was ever close to was the woman who played uh, the Phantasm in Mask of the Phantasm, who's, who's the woman's name uh, escapes me, but that was the closest thing he had to love. And that was the his last choice, and he he chose no. I'm going to go be Batman as opposed to yeah. falling in love. But that's the closest that he had up until that point. These super, I guess superheroes really don't have love interests. I mean, like like was it uh, hard. the last Thor? I mean, you know, Natalie Portman's dying. You know, so I mean, they don't really. Well, another thing is if you if you're a vigilante or a superhero, exactly. thing is, is if you have a if you have a love interest, um, you're putting that love interest. If, if anyone's going to come after you, they're going to come after your love interest. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, I mean, that's the big issue. I mean, the interesting thing here is how much Robert Thorne looks like Marlon Brando. Right. Yes. <laughs> that was the we thing. Noticed, we noticed <laughs> that the other the other night watching it. That doesn't yeah. seem like an accident. Oh no, <laughs> probably not. They're definitely like, okay, we need a, a we need a Godfather figure. How about we just draw him like Brando? Perfect, go with it. Precisely. We just make sure that we can understand him when he speaks. Right. <laughs> Do you get John yeah. Vernon who enunciates everything? Yeah. Somebody's got to put their foot down, and that foot you is. Always get a kick out. I wasn't Brando. <laughs> what was that 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 show about the Godfather? Oh my God, what was that called? The offer. The the offer, the, yeah, where Marlon Brando that was brilliant, was actually. The, oh, he was the, a thespian. He was a he was a whatever actor, you know. And it's just like I never really kind of brought the attention that Marlon Brando was kind of a fucked up guy. Yes, oh, he was. <laughs> still, I still can't get over that. That Marlon Brando had sex with Richard Pryor. I still can't get over I that. Did. That pictures. can't be true. It can't be true. <laughs> and there's pictures. That yeah, just destroys wife. my teenage years. Like. <laughs> Marlon Marlon Brando, if it was moving, it was he was on it. This is like, yeah, well, he was always speedballing too. But I mean, golly, me and anything with a pulse, I guess so. But the thing, but the thing about Brando is, is um, from what when, when you read and stuff I didn't that even you know he was gay. Here, he's not. Bisexual. He's not bisexual he either. He's just I call it antisexual. <laughs> Sleep with anything. <laughs> antisexual. <laughs> no, but um. No, I, I don't think I don't think he's gay, straight, or whatever. I think he's just Brando sort of thing. And if it if it if he you know if it came along and he found it interesting, he he did it. So I wouldn't say that he went for one or the other or whatever. It just that's 
him. But the thing about Brando is I think that, you know, when you were with him, it's something about he had just magnetism about him sort of thing. And then when he, when he, when he wanted to turn on the charm, he turned on the charm. And even people who work with him, who Brando was not an easy person to work with. He was a Whatever, pretty horrible no. person to work with, apparently. But even, you know, the guy who directed Island of Dr. Moreau, I mean, that was a bloody nightmare between him, yeah, between him and Phil Kilmer. But he says that he was very magnetizing and he's very... <laughs> You know, he's really hard to hate. He's being an asshole and he's still hard to hate because that's Brando. Tangent number three. It's just it's it's just that, that kind of charisma that he had. You know, some people are just super charismatic that way. Yeah, I mean, but even Richard if, Pryor, I would pay to be a fly on the wall for that one, literally. Well, I, mean, I mean seriously. Was this <laughs> was on. this pre was this pre-free base? prior or was it like in the middle of the freebasing years I, I don't like think it was freebasing i don't i don't it i don't think like it was in the middle of them yeah i don't i don't think it was post-fire like oh Richard i think Pryor. i'll get high and go fuck Marlon brando today <laughs> like yeah right it was all premeditated so i, I doubt it you know oh uh, yeah probably just one thing led to another Brings us to Two Face Part Two. Harvey Dent, now calling himself Two Face, resurfaces and starts robbing Robert Thorne's illegal businesses, preparing for a final confrontation with the crime boss. And Batman must stop his farmer friend before he and Thorne kill each other. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of Two Face Part Two? Well, we got it. He's he's born again, right? He's he's finally <laughs> lost his humanity. I'm assuming at this point. I keep kind of hoping he's going to keep Harvey Dent is going to retain some humanity, but apparently I'll say he struggles throughout the whole series. So I guess that has yet to go, you know, I guess he wants to go on the vengeful, what they say, the vengeful rampage against Rupert Thorne's empire of sin. Okay. Can you guys reiterate the empire of sin for me? Because it just looked like your typical syndicate. It's you know, a typical mob syndicate. Yeah. Oh, he's got gambling, well, a, little bit of gambling a little bit of, you know, <laughs> We're, we can't Except say prostitution, prostitution. Yeah, things like that. <laughs> the usual fare. Okay, yeah, we find out a little know. bit about the drug, uh, the drug uh, stuff in the next episode. But he is trying. Yeah, that's true. And, but Bruce Wayne is really trying to save Harvey before he just totally plunges into the descent into madness. And it's kind of a sad struggle because we've always known somebody that's always needed our help, and you just know you can't help that person. And that's what I kept thinking of when I was watching this because this has happened to me couple of times now even up until recently you can't save that which does not want to be saved and it's kind of a frustrating episode at least for Bruce Wayne because you see that he cares about his friend because he doesn't have a lot of friends he really doesn't have anybody so I mean it's kind of I mean I always think of Bruce Wayne as kind of not human or validated on humanity he just seems like he's got an axe to grind with crime in general because of his parents and he just wants to kick some ass but he actually cares about this guy as a friend. So, and I think he cares about Grace too. And, you know, that's how we're introduced into her, you know, and 
She doesn't. Well, I think if you is she going to go bad too? Because <laughs> Grace, the fall for well, Grace. The, I'm seeing it happen. I don't know. But even but now but the thing is, if you look at Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent is not completely. He's not evil. If he's you not, look yeah. at if you look at the crimes he's committing, though he's, he's the crimes he's committing are quite violent, but they're violent in the name of justice to bring Thorne down for his illegal practices. Right, right. Yeah. Is Thorne the drug dealer? So, yeah, or is it the other guy? Thorne's the drug dealer, right? Thorne's the crime boss. He's Thorne's a crime boss. So he's into everything. Guy. Okay. Yeah. But, but this is but how if, many months but later? If, but if you but if you look at but if you do look at um the way he's doing, I mean, he is being—he's doing nothing but being a vigilante. But unfortunately, he's going—he's going around actually hurting people, being a vigilante. He's basically anyone that's in the way of Harvey, in the way of Two Face, could be caught in the crossfire, and you could be—he's not going to kill you, or he—he right. he could kill you for the simple fact is, you know, you know if you're in his really line of sight. Of... But but it is but it is in the pursuit of justice and right. the pursuit oh, of yeah, getting people in a die. But what we're kind of, I had no idea about this. I'm barely getting a kick out of seeing who the, the voices are and all this. Like, but what is it? Min and what's his name? Min, Min and Max is Mickey Dolan's. Oh, Mickey that Dolan's just kills me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I'm, just, I'm, just getting, I'm just getting a kick out of all these people that are showing up for this animated series. So it's really kind of fun. <laughs> the, the, the thing that's always mind blowing to me about all, about all the henchmen in these, in these universes is how do they always find the exact henchmen to like Two Face has a fucking pair of twins. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how do you, you go out looking for that? <laughs> like, well, I'm looking for a henchman, but I prefer that you look, Jim, you're really good. But I, I, at, the, at the end of the day, my gimmick is that, you know, this whole two face thing. If you had a twin, I'd be able to hire you. There's so, a henchman casting call. We notice apparently there's uh, two face has a credit card under the name yes. two face, which means long the before the back credit card. Long before the bat credit card, we had that a was that what American card? Express has their ad Two Face says Diners Club, you know? Yeah, yeah. When he, at one point, he opens up his wallet, and you see a credit card, you see TWO. I'm like, wait, wouldn't it say H A R? Would that be what you see? No, it's Two Face, Two Face, Two Face, actually. Yeah, so Two Face has a credit line. Well, I mean, obviously, well, bookies, I mean, they're not the worst <laughs> criminals, but that's what he's going after, right? I liked how he didn't want to take the diamond ring off the woman's finger. That was kind of, that show, that, that, that spoke oodles about his character now. When he did the coin flip, yeah. it's all about flipping a coin. So you're right. The goons take the take the ring. Yeah, exactly. But you see, that's, a, that's another thing I wish they would have established because in, in uh, The Dark Knight, they establish that he's constantly flipping the coin and, you know, uh, everyone tells him not to leave things up to chance. And you see it's a two-sided coin that has a, that, that has a head on both sides. Right. And eventually there, there's a reveal of that. As far as I know, we never really saw this before, but now we see that it's a two-headed coin and one that's... side is scratched. And that's where it's something where I feel like had they put that in somewhere, maybe I just didn't notice it. Well, I don't think it was it meant to be. I think it was da the scratch happened in the explosion. It must, yeah, but we, and they and they don't. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, if you would have established that it was a two-headed coin, agreed. Yes. To begin with, it would yeah. mean something. Whereas, gotcha. I think, oh I think, yeah, yeah, what would it? I didn't even think of that. No because it, okay. Because if he was flipping the coin at first, you know, when, when he was still Harvey Dent, you know, and show, and showing like in like in the Dark Knight, uh, you know, constantly he flipping the coin. Life. 
yeah, yeah they make my own luck. And then when uh, when Rachel Dawes gets the coin, she sees that it's heads on both sides. So, yes, he makes his own luck, but he already made the decision of what he's going to do. Um, had they established that, it would have it would have had a little bit more of, you know, more of a punch here. I mean, it's fine as it is. You know, one side gets scratched. Now it is really up to chance. I, I feel like it would have been a little more. Uh, it, it would have had a little bit more. Who has a two-headed of a, of a coin punch. though? What's up? But who gets a two-headed coin though? You know. No, but I, I mean, mean Har- I mean Harvey Dent pretty much says. I mean, he, he says chance, Grace. Chance is everything. Whether you're born or not, whether you live or die, whether you're good or bad, it's our arbitrary. Yeah. Right. So this, I mean, so this is, you know, Harvey Dent and Two-Face, this is their code of honor. This is what their, what their whole life is spent on is the chance thing now. I didn't so, understand the nightmare that uh, Bruce Wayne had, but it had to do with dead that, his that, parents. Because that, because um, he wasn't able to save his parents. So now he needs to save Dent. He needs to save his friend. It's all okay. about s- saving people. I mean, that's what, that's Bruce Wayne's downfall basically is putting people in jeopardy or whatever and then having to save them because he wasn't able to save his parents because he still feels guilty okay for, okay you know i mean the reason why his parents are in the alley depending on which version you're seeing stay, it all, yeah. yeah it all comes down to him you know he didn't want to be wherever Being a he wanted because he wanted because he wanted to go home so if he did want to go home from whatever whatever version you're watching you know right right what about it'd be, um, a, it'd be alive today is Candace going to be around for a while or is she just being introduced to this one episode? I'm not sure. I like we... Candace. I was kind of overseeing more of her. That's all. I can't, I can't remember. I don't know. I, I don't know if she does make another appearance or not. The thing is, is um, she, 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 we do lead the episode with her saying that she's going to work with him. She's not leaving him. She's not right. going to, you know, and, and Two-Face isn't going to prison. Because he hasn't really done anything but break into illegal illegal businesses and threaten someone's right. life, but he didn't actually kill anyone. But he's going to go to the nut house, right? I could, I he's going. He, he's yeah. going to get psycholo- He's going to get psychiatric help, which is I don't know what that means. It's he's going to get Arkham a four day observation <laughs> here in the United States. Is all I he's going to get. Yeah, I forget if it's in this or a different media. Uh, he, maybe he if he goes and gets counseling, and then eventually he gets reconstructive surgery, but he just can't keep. Big bad Harv hidden. At bay. You yeah, you can't keep. And I forget where it goes, but I vaguely remember. We'll see eventually, but yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's his love for Grace that keeps. It's it's keeping. He's keeping Anchored. his human. He's keeping his humanity good side going at the time. But at this I mean, time. But it's something. But it's something. You know, if you look at anything, if something happens, you're only being good in. They didn't have of, any of that because of whatever relationship you're in. When that relationship sours, chances are that you're going to probably overcompensate to the other side. They didn't have any of that in the Dark Knight, did they? I hope about how Two-Face was Two-Face. I can't remember now. Basically, it's just that he gets caught in an explosion and basically he just becomes Two-Face. That's it. Okay. His aggressive side is shown. It keeps coming out a little bit more and more as he when he kid, kidnaps uh, the, the, uh, the guy that took a shot. And he's holding the gun to his head, even though it's right. an empty gun. He's you're starting to see a little bit more of the darker side come out. And then when he loses Rachel and gets loses his face, gotcha. That's when boom, and the Joker winds him up like a right. good toy. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, and it becomes more of a Catholicist due to Joker more than I mean. Yeah. You do see a little bit of it, but it, I mean, I think because the joke, 
I think when you have a superhero movie and you get more than one villain going on here, sometimes I think some storylines kind of get a bit slashed somewhere along the maybe. way. I never well, liked he, how it went into the two phase from the Joker and the transition in that final act. It always did feel a little bit clunky. I, yeah. I, I don't know what it, yeah. I like the movie. I love the Dark Knight, but it always did feel clunky when we but all superhero movies suffer from yeah. more than one villain yeah they all do every single one of them i mean when you look at batman returns and you got catwoman and the penguin and eventually batman catwoman takes over well you get three in that one but yeah. catwoman takes over and the other two kind of get pushed to the side mr freeze and poison ivy it's like right you know you get in it's like or then it's like they were what made the first one so great is that you had the one villain and then you get the 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 origin story of the villain why the origin story of the superheroes going on and then when they merge together you have like a full understanding of these two people or the spider-man um spider-man three is a mess yeah Yeah. horrible mess but spider-man one's fantastic because you get the story of the green the green lantern don't you you find out the green green goblin green goblin excuse me so you get the green goblin and spider-man so it's excellent the second one suffers slightly because you got octopus and then you kind of got but it does okay it works out okay because the green goblin because you've been introduced to him already is still kind of floating around in the background sort of thing and then the third one is like well let's throw everything in the kitchen sink here so it's like so when he you know when venom shows up you're like i don't care it's interesting because I, I have the opposite. I don't opinion know anything about it. I think one was great, and then I thought two was actually better. I have the opposite yeah. opinion. Yeah. But you know, but you know, same thing with you know, if Spider, you know, Superman, you know, you got Lex Luthor, the big Superman one sort of thing. By the time you get to Superman three, it's like well, kind of lost a lot there. Right. Um, well, Lex Luthor wasn't know. even in Superman three. Yeah, they was turned. Uh, no, that was Robert Vaughn. It was Robert Vaughn and Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor and Richard, and, Richard Pryor. But Robert Vaughn was also playing a real estate tycoon that was trying to yeah. do some real estate scams. God, it's, so, yeah, it's been it's years since I've seen any of those. But Superman 2, I mean, I think the reason why that kind of works a little bit is because what you do basically have is you got those three villains that you yeah. saw in the first movie we transport through, so you kind of remember them stuck in the glass sort of thing as they're flowing through space. So... You know, and then by the time we get Quest for Peace, I think that's something that we don't really want to discuss. That's um, <laughs> the first movie I remember seeing in movie. Well, wait, did that come out first or Masters of the Universe? Masters of the Universe came out first. All right, so Masters of the Universe is the first movie I saw in theaters. Of but the two uh, movies so- that killed canon, that was the second of the two. Ah, so there we go. I, I yeah. saw See, both the two movies that killed canon in theaters. <laughs> See, I saw, I saw the I, I saw the first Superman movie at the cinema and to be honest it's, it's not because i wanted to see it it's because i wanted to go see every which way but loose with clint eastwood and ruth gordon and, I, and because i couldn't get tickets and that was sold out in a, in a in our hillbilly town i i got i'd go well we'll go see superman instead i thought oh god this is excellent actually so yeah i saw that in the cinema just by default sort of thing if that ever popular cinema on arsenal street yeah <laughs> I saw all that jazz there, and I saw Friday the 13th there as well. I went, I saw Friday the 13th, and then I went, and I just walked into all that jazz afterwards. So I got to see both Bob Fosse and Jason. Don't worry. You could possibly be wrong with that. This is this is why he he Keith and I get along <laughs> because I was talking to somebody the other week and I was like, no, I have Fred Olin Ray movies and I have Akira Kurosawa movies. Why can't you like both? Like, where is there a rule that says you can't? Like the Seven Samurai 
and Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Where is that rule? I don't think there's a rule. Is there a rule? <laughs> no, but I, I, I always just find it funny when uh, when people. About the way I look at it, we have we have what what is it? We have all kinds of diversity. <laughs> we like it all. I mean, we literally we can watch anything. I can watch. I anything. mean, we're we're watching the women and the opposite sex next week after you know all these months of doing you know, and then we're watching Basic Instinct and Double Indemnity, two murder mysteries the week after. So that's 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 kind of what I like about uh, about doing this podcast that you'll throw curveballs my way and I'll be like, all right, well I was always wanted to see this movie but never really but, got but, around but, to it. Now you're kind of I'm sorry, but women it. are fucking scary. Women are scary. <laughs> Yeah, think. <laughs> Beware of the vagina. I'm sorry, but it's scary. I've always, they got I've always thought that you know why not? Why not check? Why not watch a diverse, uh, you know, a very diverse kind of movie like all the time? Like, like you'll like one day you can walk in and watch, you know, and I'm watching, you know, Abbott and Costello, and then you know, Pearl comes out on Blu-ray on Tuesday. So when Sean walks in from work on Tuesday afternoon, I'll be watching Pearl this time instead of, you know, I'm waiting morning. for it. It's supposed to start <laughs> streaming this week. Um, I'm waiting for it next week. I, t- I mean, I'll tell you what I'm a bit like. I went and saw Schindler's List when it came out um, and I saw it in the afternoon. And then uh, half an hour later, I had to go to King's Cross because I wanted to go see the ghost of Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts. <laughs> Same day. Him and the Ghost, ghost of Mr. Chicken. Chicken. You are I love the Ghost, ghost of Mr. Mr. Chicken. Was apparently back in theaters in the 90s? No, um, the, yeah, the um it was this um retro cinema called the Scala. And it was uh-huh. uh, it was that and um the incredible Mr. Limpet. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> Double feature. But I mean the reason why I like the ghost of Mr. Chicken is because it's got it's got the best it supporting cast ever. I mean it's the best it's got every single character actor that you ever want to see in a movie all together everyone in that movie is a character actor so that's why i love it so but, but yeah that's so of, that's one of the things to me that's a, that was a great double feature for me that was like one of my favorite saturday afternoons is, <laughs> and well, the, i, know, I think, and I'll, think I'll go get a little comedy with my <laughs> list yeah <laughs> It's actually one of the things that I love about watching like the old 30s and 40s movies is you you can completely miss the opening of the movie, but you'll be able to guess the studio based on who you see in it and be like, oh, there's uh, based on the character actors, you'll, you'll be like, oh, there's uh, there's Lionel Atwill and then, oh, okay, yeah. it's a Universal movie. And then uh, you'll, you'll be like, oh, there's um, uh, Ritter, oh, Universal. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Thelma Ritter. I'll watch like a bunch of like James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart movies and start recognizing. Oh, there's George Stone. This must be a Warner movie. You know, Marjorie, this- Man- Marjorie Mann Marjorie Mann was true. MGM. That's true. Yeah. Ma, ma. A lot of, yeah. So that that's kind of the cool thing about watching a lot of them. You kind of start to get to get to like these old character actors of the time. But they show up everywhere, and they are like, was it Alfred Hitchcock, Keith, that we were doing that? Character actors in his movies were everything. And Alfred Hitchcock, everything. I mean, I mean, one of my one of my favorite character actors is Mary Wicks. I mean, she was. I mean, her last thing she did was Hunchback of Notre Dame for Disney. But I mean, she's in everything. I mean, she's even in Abbott Costello, isn't she? And um, the one where they go to the haunted house, sort of thing. Yeah, I love <laughs> uh, that one. Uh, hold I that ghost. That. Hold that hold ghost. Hold that ghost. I love that one. I don't care how bad everybody thought it was. I love holding that ghost. I I think that one's actually pretty well liked. 
Yeah. I think you just I'm don't like hear about it because it gets kind of upstaged by uh, by Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and yeah. And then there's that one definitely and that civil and the civil war the civil war one where they're the ghosts from the from the, the well. time of our lives. Yeah. I was just saying that's my favorite Abbott Costello like ever. Here lies the dirty traitor. Yeah. I love that one. That was yeah, yeah, that was one of those that, that was part of that like like three or four movies where they you know, Lou Costello loved Charlie Chaplin. That was one of those uh th- that was one of those movies where he tried to emulate the pathos of a Chaplin film in his performance. And uh it was that it was uh Little Giant, um Buck Little Privates Giant. Come Home. Um and uh, what's the one with the little girl with the horse? Uh, it ain't hey. Wait, was hey, that I haven't seen that one in decades. Oh I, my just God. Watched, I just watched like all of them in like August. So <laughs> I'm down to my I'm down to like my last four right now. I I did that. I went through it out because about the box that went from one to the other. I got I got to sit there and say I at the beginning I was really enjoying them. By the end of it, it's like I can't do this. I'm so, I felt struggling. <laughs> well, the, the, the trouble is because there, there's a, a there's a very definite formula with them. Oh yeah, and the form and the formula does not change, and it's the same formula, and it's almost at the same point where they're almost speaking the same. It's almost like the same script and the same lines they're saying as well. And it's it's like, a lot of the same bits. Yeah, a lot of the same bits get recycled in those movies. It was it was interesting because when I watched the uh, I started at the very beginning. I started with One Night in the Tropics. And I watched that thinking, shit, this actually feels like a Marx Brothers movie. And then, uh, what's his name? Is that, shows because up there's, that was... there's, is that because of all the white people playing Polynesians? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also... Uh, oh, you I are on our Miranda. <laughs> I forget the I forget the actor's <clears throat> name, but he was the uh, the, roma- the romantic interest in uh, A Night at the Opera. So I was like, they just literally just lifted a Marx Brothers for, uh, format and just squeezed in who who's on first and all the uh, all that other stuff who's on first ends up in a lot more movies than i remember it in <laughs> yeah and they also got him um you know and there, there's always a part where you know costello is basically you know gets you know gets stuck on a horse and he's flying around and then he gets stuck on a robo <laughs> it's going on or speedboat or something and like but and but abbott cheats him out of money there's always money. he always shortchanges him somehow, and always makes him look bad in front of a woman. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sort of thing. And the um, women always love Lou. <laughs> and I love Lou. I always felt bad for him because Abbott kept beating on him all the time, slapping the head, making him do shit he didn't want to. Much the same as Mo was to the other Stooges. Yeah. I, I I've been going through a lot of the three Stooges too, and it's actually I'm I'm kind of I kind of feel sad for Mo because he he watches his brothers basically die, you know, because you get Curly getting really sick yeah. and and having to be replaced with Shemp, and eventually he dies young, and then eventually Shemp dies young, and by the end of it, something that started out with as, as him and his brother, and then him and his other brother becomes so oh, here's me with a bunch of a bunch of uh, you know strangers in a way. I mean, Larry Fine's not a stranger, but. But it's it's kind of it's kind of sad when you think about yeah. it. It is. It really is. Good old Bud. Actually, we were we were actually going to do a whole season of Bud and Abbott. That's the reason why I watched all of them, and I thought, no, yeah. we can't do a whole season of their films. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think. I didn't think you. Were, I, I was game. I would have gone with it. It's know? like I mean, it's we, like we, bewitched we, all over again. Like, it, oh, well, bewitched was oh. great until we realized how much it repeated itself, and it was, yeah. you know. 
bad. Very repetitive. That would have been the issue with Abbott and Costello. Only at least with Abbott and Costello, there's only like 35, 36 movies versus Bewitched where you're, you're watching how many episodes? Hundreds. Yeah. Five, yeah, there's five every day. Well, they did about 25. 25. episodes a year i think they i actually think season one to three is like yeah. 36 episodes a year but um but yeah and any times that times 10 or nine up nine seasons we yeah. hung in there for dark shadows no more tv <laughs> you know the interesting thing about dark shadows when i was getting into dark shadows in the 90s i was getting the uh the, the vhs tapes that were uh, uh through time life and it's weird because they start with Barnabas Collins, like the like episode two oh eight. That's what they, they start don't. Ex- it's as if they don't exist before that. Your first tape and is you Barnabas missed Collins. so much, you know that you. I mean, I didn't even know because that's where I started back when I was a kid. But I mean, but when you watch Dark Shadows and you watch all the old, there's a lot of great storylines that have been just left even, to be forgotten. You know, even the the old MPI DVDs when MPI started releasing them on DVD. Dark Shadows Volume One is where Barnabas Collins shows up, and then if you want to see everything before that, there's there's uh, Dark Shadows: The Beginning. The beginning, yeah. yeah. That you got you got to go get those DVDs if you wanted to see anything before that. So it was we. It's 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 weird. It's almost like an acknowledgement of yeah, nobody gives a shit about the first two hundred and seven episodes. I do. I actually <laughs> love like the Phoenix storylines and stuff. Yeah, like that. the They're Phoenix storyline. That's when it, that's when it started coming in the time, first time the ghost starts, and that's when it comes in. They figured uh, out they needed a ghost to save the show. <laughs> the rest yeah, is history. But, but <laughs> as we now get into uh, episode two thousand and one hundred and forty-four, the last episode <laughs> we'll be kept. We're coming into now for on our coverage of that. <laughs> I I'm going to be thankful to say goodnight to that. Yeah, that <laughs> I know we we've dodged the. I'm going to sit in a warm bathtub and open my veins. <laughs> <laughs> It got a bit like that. Gonna go out Roman next time. Well, this brings us to the last ep- episode of the Batman the anime series that we'll be covering. It's called It's Never Too Late. A mob war between crime bosses Robert Thorne and Arnold Stormwell is nearing its end and comes to a t- climax when Stormwell is set up to be killed in an exploding restaurant by Thorne. Batman saves him at the last moment and aided by Stormwell's brother, now a priest who lost his legs years before in an accident which Stormwell carries a secret guilt, tries to persuade him to give up his life of crime and help the police bring Thorn down by testifying against him. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of It's Never Too Late? This is my favorite one of the four that we watched. I thought this was a great, great story uh, showing Batman really trying to First off, it showed his real his detective skills by planning the bug in the meeting, going undercover very slyly, didn't bring too much attention to it. But then it's a really great story of, I, I think almost, I read somewhere that they compared it a little bit like uh, A Christmas Carol with, uh, with Batman as the guardian angel. And uh, what was the other one? I believe the Angel with 30 Faces. 
uh, between the gangster and, and the, the priest. Old, yeah, and okay. the priest, could, a little I bit of that. I didn't put that together at first. All right. And um, and that's the thing. I it just rather than use violence, Batman is just no. This is what your empire has done to your life, to your family, to your loved ones. The drugs and stuff. The drugs and just guilts this mob boss into basically giving away his empire. Not that he wasn't. It felt like he was already done. Looked like uh, he was losing with the it. life. Yeah, he was. He was ready to leave the life behind, but that upon seeing just the damage that he's inflicted upon his own family, it was it was kind of great. And we got the return of uh, John Vernon as Rupert Thorne coming back again for a third episode in a row. You get to see um, that power struggle between the two warring mob families in Gotham, which I always like. I when we t- uh, depart from the Rogues Gallery and we just focus on the mob bosses and the little crime that not so much the um flamboyant crimes of, of the rogues gallery but just like the the street level crime your drugs right. your bank robberies and all that stuff it's good to see batman focus on that stuff and um yeah i just overall i really really like this one yeah i thought it was a, a very strong episode same here i thought it was the best one of the uh of, of the group i didn't really put together last night the the uh the similarities between this and uh angels of dirty faces i uh yeah th- that does actually fit because you have you have the the two the two children who are uh you know what you know have have their have their issues at the beginning um in in the case of uh, angels of dirty faces it's uh the james cagney's character is caught and sent to prison where he or where he becomes uh even worse while uh, pat o'brien becomes a priest um oh yeah i didn't I didn't really think about that connotation here. Uh, and honestly, uh, this was one of those episodes that uh, when Keith was, uh, was doing the description there, it kind of, kind of gives away the, uh, the big reveal at the end because I don't think they established at the beginning that the priest is, uh, is Arnie's brother. They did, I, they did uh, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm like, wait, did Arnie's brother get hit by a train? No wonder he's a prick. Yeah, I'd be a stone cold jerk too if my bro- if my you know my brother got killed in a you know uh, got got hit by a train. Um, and also we kind of again we kind of see the um, kind of opposites again because in the uh, the previous two episodes, uh, Harvey Dent thinks he may have caused somebody to go to the hospital and blames right. himself, so he becomes really really good and tries to keep himself from ever hurting anyone again and tries in vain to do that to the point where like like he said it all starts to bubble over whereas in this case we have arnie who is guilt-ridden over his brother's accident and he goes the opposite way he's just going to go into a life of crime and that's just going to be his way of dealing with it is oh well i did what i did fuck it you know i also think that i think that we i think that I'm assuming that those two kids are from poor family. The the brothers are from a poor family. I'm assuming because he does say when he's younger, it's like, I'm going to own this town. Yeah. I'm not going to let yeah. anyone push me around. And that's what his theory is. And then Which we get the juxtaposition. Well, we, uh, and it's quite interesting to get the juxtaposition. So basically he's, you know, he's, his brother saves him um, from getting hit. And of course, the next train comes around and of course he tries to save his brother. And of course he, his brother loses his leg situations, but his brother who loses his leg ends up becoming the priest doing good. And then you got him still on his rampage of owning the city. 
And I thought that was quite interesting, but and another thing I found interesting, and his wife, by the way, is played by Catherine Hellman from Soap. That's who the voice of his wife is. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. But um, but I thought that was interesting that the whole you know moral of the story is basically oh, is that yeah. yeah, you know, you might own the town and be through all your illegal, but actually what have you what have you gained? You might have got money, but you've lost your wife, you lost your son to drugs, you lost, you know, it's like and I thought that was for a child's program, I mean, animated program, and it's like this is what you got, you know, this is what they're giving you. And to have your animators and people like that trust that their audience was mature enough for this kind of information. Because, I mean, there's not a lot of Batman running around and pow, yeah. socking pow, pow, you know, thing situation. No, so there's, a lot, there's some gunfire going on here, which is interesting. But again. Well, quite a bit, but, actually. Yeah. A lot of attempted uh, murder. Yeah. A lot of attempted murder. Um, but. I, you know, it's just like one of those things is like, okay, well, we're going to go outside the box. We're going to give Saturday, we're going to give Saturday morning cartoons or an, our animated series something different. And this is what they give us. And they've proven this time and time again. It's another award winner situation. And you, yeah. and you come, and you actually come across feeling for the characters as well. You actually have, you know, some empathy for what's going on and for what you're watching. Definitely. This was uh, this is one of the I, I I might say it's my favorite episode so far of the entire series. I just that I just love the way this this entire episode plays out. Um, it it felt like like one that you could possibly base a two hour movie on and you have could. a really you could. really just, really just, interesting intriguing two hour just movie. for the priest alone and going back and forth with the backstory with that and how Batman had to approach the elderly priest because he asked for his help. Because he thinks that, you know, he might be able to help this guy. Because he wants, he wants him to turn state evidence, right? But you're yeah. saying he was pretty much done and washed up in crime at this point? You get that feeling. You get that feeling just how he seems run down, like this this life of crime. I, I, it's a young man's game, that sort of thing. He's still power hungry. Right. But you, you feel like, okay, my, my best days are behind me. But and, they set I mean, him that, up, and then that bomb explodes in the deli, and the rest yeah. is history. Okay. But you know, you you do get this common theme going on anyway. I mean, you get it with actors. Oh, I'm an old actor, and the young, the young, the young studs are coming up and taking my jobs. They're not making movies for me anymore. And you yeah. and you get this, right. and you get it in you get in crime. It's like, you know, the old crime boss, and the younger ones are coming up behind them. And even though they might be doing things differently. You know, they might be involved in different rackets and stuff like this, but they're still taking out the power of the old person sort of yeah. thing. And, and the old person, you know, goes to desperate means to hold on to what whatever he's got left. But the main time it does, everything comes at a cost, you know, sort of thing. And I thought that was quite interesting about how that, how you know, that, that shows that, you know, they, they're able to address that as well. You know, everything, yeah. you know, it's a bit like your taxes. They might cut your taxes, but they're going to raise your taxes somewhere else. So what God gives you in one hand, he's taking away with the other. <laughs> it's a balancing act, really. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, it's a really, 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 really intriguing story that I'm, uh, and now that, now that it was brought up, uh, I, I could definitely see the angels with dirty faces in it. Um, just really a phenomenal episode. Probably my, uh, yeah, probably the best so far. Just everything, everything about it—the the voice performances, even um, 
again, again, is this the thirties? Cause you got the little kids who look like little poor kids and like the, you little know, rascals. Like the little rascals are East side kids. Yeah. Uh, thing kind of playing on the railroad tracks. They so. never do really tell you what, era they they really are in you got the old cars you got the 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 40s hairdos but yet they're not in the 40s they have all kinds of uh, what do you call it uh technology yeah so it's kind of like almost like streets of fire kind of you know what i mean in that movie it's it's got the old cars got technology it's got you know it's just got that vibe i don't know i guess it does in this one And maybe it's my, yeah. you know, maybe it's my leaning towards liking, you know, old noirs and old gangster movies that made that made me really like this one. Um, and again, uh, very first episode, we we talked about how there were influences of classic horror and classic noir and classic gangster movies, and uh, this is another episode where you could see that come full, you know, come right up in front. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, another thing I find kind of interesting about Batman the animated series so far is that you have your villains, but it's quite interesting that basically your villains, your biggest villains are your everyday humans sort of thing, yes. your your mob bosses and your crime lords and everything that's going on be- underneath the surface. True. And it, all, it also seems to be a huge difference in... You have you're either very rich in Gotham or very poor. It seems like so Doesn't far. Doesn't seem like there's any middle class. That's <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of middle classes going on here. But then again, Bruce Wayne's probably not going to hang around with the middle classes. So that's maybe the thing, that's yeah. why he's he's the elite. He's going to be hang, hanging around with the CEOs and the owner and the and the titans of industry. Not so much the uh, the workers. Yeah. Well, we do working. see him. We do see him helping out the lower you know like the like the lower classes and uh you know one of the episodes two of the episodes uh that we watched last month he rebuilt the shelter he got the he got the homeless guys some jobs yeah. he, he's doing all that sort, sort of thing but it's but, it's one of those but that was also was, because you know, he was stuck he was stuck with yeah. them wasn't he i mean he he, got that was stuck thrust upon him and he realized i'm gonna write a wrong that's right in front of me i could it, it's one of those things he doesn't i don't think he actively seeks out to do good things as bruce wayne it's he, he's more doing good things as Batman, but if he sees something bad happening and happening in front of him as Bruce Wayne, he'll act. Well, that's 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 going back to what we said, you know, in the beginning that that Bruce Wayne is kind of the mask in a way. Like Batman is, I think, who you know who Bruce Wayne really is, and Bruce Wayne is is the mask that he wears. And I think uh, Vicky mentioned the uh, the womanizing. I think this is all part part of the same package because you. At the, at, he has to put on the airs of the handsome billionaire playboy, while because he's got to he's got to put on that face while at night he's putting on a you know he's putting on a physical mask and beating the shit out of all the Gotham's criminals. Right. So there, it, it all goes back to that. He has to, so he has to kind of kind of be oh aloof as Bruce a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, he has to he has to be smart enough to be a shrewd businessman, but still be aloof enough that you could kind of play like oh i didn't know that this was happening <laughs> so mm. so yeah it's um it's very uh it, it really it really works well for the character we're talking about the the characters in, in an animated series which is amazing uh, uh there's no alfred i just realized all four episodes i don't think we've yeah, there's got... no alfred in any of them no, yeah were. um no alfred was in the beginning of two-face was oh, he oh okay 
And the second one where he's going to go, I need to help the Harvey. I need to help. Um, Harvey. Oh, that's right. He okay. won't give up when he was having the bad dream. All right. Yeah. So there's a little bit of Alfred. But yeah, I just realized there's uh, not, not much. All right. So there's not much Alfred in, the, in these. Yeah. So, but I mean, I mean, I I think basically that Batman is a vigilante because I think that gives him meaning in life. That's yeah. his mean. That's that's his. Well, calling. he isn't much different than the man in the story who feels guilty over, you know, what he had done. His friend lost his leg. Who is now a priest, and, and you know, he says his life is over as it is anyway. But doesn't he go? Uh, he goes off on a, a thing that his empire's crumbling. His enemies are closing in. You know, his son is gravely ill. You know, his family's broken, and his marriage is foobar. So, I mean, he doesn't really. He's, I think he's hit rock bottom, I guess. But the interesting, uh, the interesting thing about Stormwell is that you're going to see his character again in with this, the rebirth story of Robin. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, the, and the death of Robin's parents. Of oh, course. So, so he does. So Stormwell does come back into the. Yeah, we really haven't seen much Robin at all in the series yet. We Robin doesn't seen him at all once, I don't think. Robin's yeah, we got him one episode. Yeah, in one episode, yeah. I don't remember, but he's not around think, yet, really. Robin, the, the Robin doesn't. Robin doesn't really Joker, make yeah. an appearance until we get the Robin origin story, and then once that happens, then he becomes a regular feature. Then, the, then because the, it becomes Batman the animated series, the Batman and Robin the animated series, it turns into yeah. that. But at the moment, it's just Batman. At the moment, Robin, and. The ep- the first episode that springs us off the Christmas episode is kind of a weird episode anyway. It's I feel it's like a pilot, and this is like this is what our show can become sort of sub- episode. Right. <laughs> so yeah, and I think that's the, I, and I and I think that's the reason why Robin was there. It's like oh we're going to be introducing him later, but this is what our show will be. So here let we be willing to buy our series for us if you see our pilot. Right. I think it's that. I think that's what. That's why the Christmas one seems kind of out of line in the place where it is in the rest of the series. It's a great episode, but I think if it came across somewhere in the middle instead of the first episode ever being aired, I think it probably would make would more have had sense. More, placement, yeah. More sense. You know, same thing with Batgirl and everything like that as well. So, because yeah, we at the moment, any Batgirl yet or uh, or uh, Barbara Gordon at all, so. Yeah, yeah, she comes in. She comes in later, sort of thing, and we get the change of Nat, Nightwing and stuff like that. That all comes in eventually, and well, it'll be interesting yeah. to see those. Uh, yeah, this is. I'm enjoying these a lot more than I thought I would. Same here. Uh, and I, I haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm since uh, since it came out on VHS in the '90s. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to revisit those eventually when we get to that. I'm assuming we're going to be doing the the, the two movies, right? Yeah, so, and yeah. we probably and and depending on how we feel, we probably go into Batman Beyond from here. Maybe, yeah. This is uh, yeah. So far, these have these have been really, really good. Yeah, I'm totally enjoying them. Yeah, the only the only thing that I like, I said, I during the Two Face episodes, I wish the Two Face episodes would have come later on. Um, and I wish they would have been a little bit more of a slow build. Do you guys think that the first season is more exploratory for the people doing it at this point? Because nobody's really done this before, have they? Really? Well, I mean, a superhero like this? 
I'm not talking Aquaman or anything like that. Well, we're getting a lot of origin stories that come in. Next month, we'll be doing Catwoman's origin story. Um, Mr. Freeze's origin stories in our our next line of episodes coming in um we're kind of started we're just kind of building in i mean i think what they wanted to do is just build build this world around batman and what batman is so i think that's what we're doing and i think this is i think the first i would say the first 16 episodes was all about building this world and they keep building but then but they, they stop building and just start adding to it but at the moment right. I think they're just building at the moment you know, again, if you look at each of the episodes that we cover so far, we covered what twelve episodes now because it's our third month yeah. of doing Batman to cover twelve episodes. And if you notice that each one is, they're all fit within the within the time frame, but at the same time, they're all very very different about different ways that we can cover each story. Right. And, you know, the origin story with um, Two Face. This is you know this is kind of our first origin story. Pretty Poison wasn't really an origin story. She kind of was. We kind of have knew what she was, but it wasn't an origin story that we right. have with her. Um, so we have like, you know, and we also have um, Gotham, the background of Gotham, the crime bosses of Gotham. Is what's Gotham going supposed on to be Gotham. a nice city or a shithole? I mean, or is it both? depending on the part? Um, depending on the depending on the part I mean, of the city that you're in, it's it's. I think that the old Gotham that's portrayed in the animated series and whatnot that where the where. Bruce's parents were murdered and that that's the old rundown part of Gotham right and then there's the 1% the sky rises where Wayne Tower is and all that right. stuff there's the Bowery or um I think they call it the Grotto it, where right. Arkham is and all that stuff so it's much like most major it's just areas. dark that's why yeah. I can't really just it's just dark like and gothic it's like it's like Chicago I mean Chicago yeah. is like you know, you got yeah. Michigan Avenue. It's like you're fine, and then you you the know you keep walking, or, and then you yeah. go two blocks to the you know two blocks to the left, and you're in a really rough if area. I was, <laughs> if I was visiting Chicago these days, I definitely call up and do a color check on what I'm wearing to make sure I had the proper colors on for each neighborhood. You're, well, you're fine I, if I, you I, stay I, on I, the I, northern I, side. But I mean, it, I mean, but you know, but every city is like that. I mean, Tulsa. When I was going to university in Tulsa, I mean, you had downtown, and downtown's basically Tulsa's no go. Always after, been, Tulsa's still bad, still bad. Well, I mean, Tulsa. I mean, but anytime that I mean, you know, and I guess with Gotham, what you're looking at is downtown area where all the theaters are. We're probably right. fine, but then of course now here you are, 20, 30 years later, and of course downtown's no longer fine, is it? Because that's rough yeah. because everyone's moved to the suburbs. Yeah. So. It's like, <laughs> It also depends on which version of Gotham you get. I mean, in Joker, it's portrayed you have a garbage strike. In right. in The Dark Knight, it's portrayed a little bit more better until you get to the third movie where you you see the class war between the 1% and everybody else, and, and that's really explored more. I mean, it, right. it all depends. Uh, in the video games, it, it was so bad that they basically turned it into Escape from New York and just walled off a section of the city. Escape from New York. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially, it's what they called it Arkham City. It's We're just yeah. going to put all of our undesirables in this old, ward off, walled off section of, uh, of Gotham. And it's like L.A. Together. L.A. Yeah. with the homeless. They just walled them on. <laughs> walled Not anymore. They spilled into every city. All my friends are going, you got any room in Texas? I go, come on down. L.A. is... Come on. L.A. having lived there, the, the weird thing about LA is the way it's structured. You have like it's it's the only city I've ever been in where it's you know aside from like you know Beverly Hills, Bel Air, right. 
and the, the areas where the super rich live, but the super rich are also sprinkled around the same areas as the poor. Mm. So Burbank, it's kind of strange. Yeah, because out here. You got, all, be like you you got just, Orange County down here. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I'm, I'm talking about just like general, like just LA. the Hollywood area. You'll, you'll like, I've never seen it set up to a, to a West way. Hollywood. West Hollywood. West Hollywood is very, West Hollywood is very rich now. That's, that's, because it's right next to Beverly Hills, so you get, you know, you get, you get, but it's, it's weird as you go around Hollywood, you will have on one block, you'll have mansions everywhere. And then like a couple blocks down, you'll have Skid Row. No, Skid Row's downtown. Well, Um, but but you also get gentrification that creates creates that as well sort of thing. But it's you know weird. You, you you know how you know how expensive an area is going to be a rundown area once a Starbucks moves in you know it's being identified. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have great old hotels in downtown LA. They got they got some really cool ones. So those were. Well, awesome. yeah, it's one of those areas where I'd say stay away from the downtown area. Well, yeah. The downtown the downtown area is more crime ridden. I mean, I haven't lived there in ten years now, so things could have changed a well, lot. Well, for now, but now it's being gentrified, so God knows what they're going to do with the. But LA is one of those poor people weird now. Situations where it's like you could be on one block and be totally fine, and then yeah. like a block away, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be here. It's so weird in that way. You can turn one corner, and all of a sudden you're you're in an area that you shouldn't. It was be getting in. pretty bad last time. Yeah. But, but, but Chicago, but Chicago was Chicago was like that for a while. It's like you know you be you be walking there, and then you get and then you go to, you know you go to the, where the fifties McDonald's is, and you take a left. And next thing you know, you're in a Cabrini Green before you know it. <laughs> it's like you know what I mean. It's like you know, and I'm yeah. talking about when I I lived there in like in the late eighties. So I, I mean, it's probably it's you know and then the and the area and the areas really are probably different. I mean, it, they, it's gotten a little bit better, but I mean, the problem is now it's random violence, acts of violence, and the CTA is horrible. The the L system is just ungodly right now i was just taking the cta two years ago regularly and there and there there was no i never had no any problem. issues and now no, i'm you, hearing about cta yeah, issues the, all the time lots of people just openly and granted from me i have no issue with it but it's uh, a lot of people openly smoking weed starting fights there's no security around at all and it's just, it's just kind of like a free-for-all and yeah. you, and lots of acts of violence are breaking out at the station <laughs> I sit there say that when I was living there, because I lived in Printer's Row, and we went to a nightclub off North Avenue, and was waiting there for the for the L, like two o'clock and two 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 thirty in the morning, and these two people were playing catch with a meat cleaver until one person missing kind of himself in the head. <laughs> that just seems like one of those things that's just bound to happen when you're. Pl- like well, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, it's like, like you know, but any right. any place, any place is going to be, any any place is going to have a bit of um, darkness or violence going on because it's per capita. Yeah. The more people yeah. you got in a small air, a large area, it's like you know, you're gonna, the idea of one person being an asshole is a lot greater than if you're in a. <laughs> in a town of five people you know what i mean but, you know yeah you know you know if but like, even if in a town a- of five people you always have one there's yeah, always, you always got one, one asshole so so look at that average one out of every five people are an asshole so now take a city of about ten thousand people how many assholes now do you have <laughs> and then you, you know yeah. or ten million two hundred thousand ten million you know whatever you know as you grow it's like, you know you just get more assholes so i think so but
So I guess what we'll do now is let's talk about our favorite character and least favorite character in these blocks of episodes. Starting with you, Vicky. Who's your favorite character and who's your least favorite yeah. character in this? Uh, my favorite character is going to have to be, well, I liked all of them, but probably Harvey Dent. I liked his struggle between good, bad, lack of humanity, having humanity. I like I like how he has to be an equalizer with, you know, flipping his coin. I mean, he's just a really interesting study. I mean, I can't wait to see more things from him. And your least favorite? Least favorite. God, I don't really have a least favorite. Um, least favorite. Oh, I can't even say it's, it's the two. It's the two idiots that uh, Harvey hires on. I like uh, them. Nim, <laughs> nim, nim name or whatever. Yeah. Nim, nim, yeah. Nim, nim Who did I not like? Well, I, you know, probably got on my nerves the most was Grace. It's like freaking grow a vagina and quit crying and carrying on so much. I mean, you know, people, that's the last thing anybody wants to see when they're in trouble or whatever is, oh my God. Well, yeah, he was pretty ugly. I have to admit, if that was my side piece, I'd probably be crying too, you know, but all, all things aside, I don't know. I just, I guess I was, I was kind of hoping for a stronger character, but like I said, I don't know what's going to happen with her. So that might all change. So, you know, I could be in for something I'm not expecting. But, you know, she was just a little too whiny, so. Yeah, damsel in distress kind of thing. Well, I don't mind being a damsel in distress, but, you know, with, you know, with all the things we have today and, you know. Well, she she was engaged to get married and they were going to get married and everything like that. And the, the rug was swept from underneath her, so. Well, you know, plastic surgery, something, you know. So I think she was more upset over the way he looked than anything else, which is really super well, no. Well, <laughs> No, to be honest, though, I mean, she she was noticing changes in his behavior as well. Right, though. right, so right. Because there's was, all those things, the two of them, and then she's like, well, why are you acting this way and all this other stuff? I mean, there was that, there was that going on. Well, so he always well. did have the, the, the conflict, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I guess maybe I thought she should be more of a woman of action and not, you know, let somebody give her, you know, a device to track her to her man who is in, you know, mental peril. Yeah. So that kind of annoyed me a little bit. So if you know if you're if you're in trouble, don't call Grace because she's probably going to call the cops on you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't call Grace because she's going to get hooked up with all kinds of machines to find out where you're going. And that's mm -hmm. where we met. What was her name? I liked her. What was her name? Candace. Candace. I like Candace. <laughs> She looked like if there was if, if this was like a uh, live action, Candace would be played by Adrian Barbeau. Probably yeah. Yeah. like Adrian Barbeau. And what about yourself, Joe? Who's your favorite character and least favorite character in this book? Uh, was it Arnie Stromwell? Was that his Arnold last Stromwell, name? Stromwell, yeah. Like, I see, like, and hearing that he's going to figure into other episodes uh, makes me a little, uh, makes the me a little happier about it. Uh, no, he's the uh, the gangster who uh, the, they try to blow up. Oh, okay, of the, okay. The last okay. episode. Um, yeah, I I see so much potential in him and God, I hope I'm right because I would be so disappointed if they bring him back and you know, he's, he's nowhere near as interesting, but I see so much potential to do so much with this character. And like I said, I, I think there could be a feature film about this character and about it, uh, about uh, everything that he's gone through. And as Sean pointed out that somebody, somebody else had pointed out, it seems we already have that in angels with dirty faces, which is one of my favorite movies ever. So that makes sense. I would gravitate towards his character. Um, really, really like him. 
I mean, not the stuff he's doing, obviously, but just the complexities of the character. I feel like he could really be something really, really special and, and not just the typical crime boss, uh, which, you know, the John Vernon voiced character, uh, as much as I, you know, as much as I like old mob stories, he just seems like just your typical, you know, uh, syndicate boss. Um, but Stromwell, I think, actually, actually feels like it would be something really, really... Uh, Really special if they do it right. I I don't know why it just reminded me. I had to look it up while you were talking because you're talking about was it angels with dirty faces or was it what's that it? Yeah. But I always crack up because the angels with filthy souls from Home Alone. It yeah. Takes that you dirty animal. I don't know why that just came to mind, but it just did. Random thought. Well, I'm I mean, I think that was obviously. I think that was obviously a take on it. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because I was just thinking about it because, you know, it's like a take that, you dirty animal, but yeah. Angels with filthy souls and angels then the sequel is angels, angels with filthier souls in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> yeah. Just like in uh, in real life, there's uh, angels with dirty faces and then there's angels wash their faces. So again, the Bowery Boys, but no Cagney. You get uh, Anne Sheridan comes back. Ronald Reagan is the DA instead of a priest, you get the DA who's trying to save the kids this time from uh, going into going into gangland. But now we're off on another tangent that we shouldn't be getting okay, off. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we and, probably are. And, and don't, and don't forget the remake from the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there was a remake in the eighties. With Robert De Niro. Yeah. I do not remember this. Because yes. it's not really earth shattering. That's why. Yeah. What was it called? Was it called Angel, Angel with Dirty Faces? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I have to look it up. I had no idea there even was a remake. Well, there we go. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he would be my favorite character. And um, I guess my least favorite would probably be Grace, also, because she's, she's, I hate to say it, she's weak and dumb. Yes, thank you. I didn't want to I, piss off the rest of the brethren. <laughs> like, she's, just, she's just like just so easily manipulated. She's stupid. She's a cow. Okay, let's say it. She's, she's just so I just wouldn't be that stupid to be manipulated into. I mean, I would ask questions. Okay. So you just want me to? You. So you want me to track my ex who recently, okay. He definitely fine. has a split personality and does not look right on one side of his body. Nothing to see here. <laughs> it's just saying. But yeah, I just had to be blunt about it. Like she just comes off really dumb and really weak. Like Aww. who doesn't, like who doesn't have any poker face? Who doesn't have any poker face? Like if, you know, I ran into somebody who like I'd known for years and they had some kind of disfiguring accident. I'd like to think that I'd have some kind of poker face to not like completely lose my shit when I saw them. Like you'd prepare yourself to some level. Like I had you issues know, with a few people back in the day. My my friend survived <laughs> an explosion. I, I, I don't. I think I, I I wouldn't be able to do it. My face just gives me away. I'd be like, oh, definitely. And if I was high as face balls, that that would be over. It would just be over. <laughs> If, you're, if your face if, if, if your face looked like a, a meatball, I probably would you probably would see it on my face. <laughs> I would I you know I, I feel like I would prepare for that. I feel like I would be ready for that if I heard you, you know, your face got exploded in a factory. I, I feel like I'd be prepared for your face to not look normal. 
But yeah, <laughs> mentally, yeah. Okay, I mean, he does look gruesome. Half his face is basically melted off. Yeah, but I totally get that. He does look gruesome, but it's. By the way, where does he get that? Uh, that 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 suit. It's got to be a custom job. It's a custom. Half, half yeah. black, I half think. white suit. I mean, God, well, that's he has. The, he has to buy two pairs of shoes as well because he has. You know, he wear like the right hand, the right hand black shoe and the left hand white shoe, isn't it? So does he hire? Buy- does he hire two interior decorators to do half the, or is it just one that has you know two different? You know, I want to I mean, do this and do this. Do you have that suit tailor made, or do you buy two suits and have? And, 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 I mean, then yeah, you have two suits, but it never yeah. really matches the face, though. No. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the white side, the white side's the good Harvey side, and the black side's on the on the. But if you get two side. suits and cut them in half, then you know eventually, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to. Oh shit, that one's in the cleaners. He's I got a nerve right the yeah. So basically, if you want two suits, you need to buy four suits. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nerve because you because you, you, can't, you can't because you can't even use the other side because like oh because you can't change your face around. <laughs> Wait a minute, now what am I doing? Wait, I can't wear this today. Ah, damn it! What if both your suits end up in the cleaners? You just I can't. can't, go- I, can't have, I can't have the white side on the on the acid side. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the right. black side. I'll be too acid washed out on that. He's got side, he's yeah. got an entire closet full of full of suits that are just the opposite of what of what he usually wears. It's like shit. If I ever have to, I, I just I hope to never have to go into that closet. <laughs> we hope nobody hits you with acid. <laughs> um just to correct myself they didn't make a remake of um dirty uh, angel with dirty faces it was, were no angels that they made the oh, remake of. okay yeah that that was the um uh, the bogart uh the bogart movie and then yeah. uh yeah it got remade with um de niro and uh shit we watched it last year sean uh, sean penn and sean penn and demi oh, moore's yeah. players in it yeah demi moore yeah I, I actually yeah, have both of them on my shelf right now. I'm looking at both of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, so that was my mistake. So they didn't make a remake of Angels and Dirty Faces. I, I liked the remake of Weirdo Angels. I, I thought that was fine. I really enjoyed that one. I, I loved uh, Sean Penn's kind of Stan Laurel. Uh, he play, I, he, It feels to me like he kind of played it with the facials and with his reactions. I feel like he played it like Stan Laurel, which I thought was really, really good. Another tangent. <laughs> we have that habit. What about you, Sean? Let's use your favorite character and least favorite character uh, on block. Much like Joe, uh, Arnold Stromwell is my favorite one for all the same reasons. Uh, I really, it is a fascinating character. And I know that you said we're coming back to it later on when we do the origin of Robin. So depending on where he's at in his stage, he might be a little bit more aggressive. He might be winding down a little bit. I'm dying to get back to this character he's he's very very fascinating for all the all the right reasons um my least favorite though uh is probably uh mayor hill from the first one i i think that okay. yeah he's kind I, of a douche i was th- i was i was going back and forth between mayor hill or jordan hill just for his ignorance and understanding the situation that was going on around him you were taken from your birthday party in the back of a van by a clown and you were taken to a different location. And well, he wasn't really people. taken. He kind of he kind of well, jumped on the back of the van himself. He kind of did, but it's just one of the, that's part of the reason why I'm like I think Mayor Hill poking the bear, going after the Joker, not really fully understanding the ramifications of what he's doing. I think that that was kind of the most 
useless character in my eyes, at least to me. I don't know. I think that that, that was the one that you could have tweaked it a little bit more and maybe given, I don't know, tweaked it a little bit more and made it a little bit more impactful. Instead, it's just... You know, Mayor Hill kind of strikes me as either either really stupid or really arrogant. Like, he, yeah. he, like there's a murderous fucking clown in the city. I'm going to I'm going to go fucking publicly say something to insult him on television. So you're either really stupid or you are so arrogant that nothing is going to happen to you. It's one or the other. So, yeah, I can kind of see why that would be. That would be your least favorite. Yeah. My favorite is Stormwell. I thought he was brilliant. I think there's nothing that tops him at all. Um, my least favorite is Jordan. I don't know. I've, I did, I think if he was a little bit more re- relatable, I don't even think he was relatable to children. He just, and it, I mean, even though you kind of understand that he's being neglected, he was just kind of annoying about it. And yeah, I, I, I think yeah. he could have been better. I think he could have been better written. So the simple fact that you would have a little bit of empathy with him, but he just, for some reason, this episode, you don't have really much empathy for him. And yeah, and I had to. There's, I don't even like the way he was drawn, sort of thing. He had like you know his little pointy hair and his little pointy hair in the back and his little pointy nose, and I just kind of wanted to hit him. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, I guess even even he's wearing a suit all the time, sort he of thing. He didn't look you know, like a little like, boy. He looked like one of those marionettas. You know what do you call them? <laughs> well, that's what he reminded me of. Well, he's just wearing a suit the whole time as well. So it's kind of like what kind of? I guess he's. he's you know, but if he was more like the child, like the young Stromwell or his brother, and he was more modeled after that, or right. the kids for the kids in the the Forgotten, he was more modeled after looking a bit like them or a bit more normal. I probably would have had more empathy for Jordan because I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh God, let him die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for I mean, first of all, I mean, he stalls away into some clown's car. I mean, come yeah. on. Think of all I the mean, money that your parents put in that birthday He was a party. bad You're boy. You're just bolting from it. Yeah, precisely. So he hides in a clown's car. Does he not Does he not know about John Wayne Gacy? I mean, he, I mean he hides around in Pogo the clown's um, car, car, clown car. <laughs> well, well, again, what time period is this? <laughs> yeah, this this is the, the 1930-90s. Who the hell knows? John Wayne Gacy did that. 1930-90s. May or may not have happened yet. <laughs> Well, we had, and, sure we had we well we had all kinds of killers in the eighties. <laughs> well, see, and and then here's another thing as well that kind of goes against this episode, and it's not a I mean it's it's not a bad episode. It's, it's a good it's no, an enjoyable no. episode, but what doesn't really quite what doesn't quite match is that therefore his father's holding him a birthday party though he's using it as a political you know gathering for to make sure that he stays elected. So you so you got that kind of storyline going through. But then he for for his son's birthday though he's against him pl- working with magic because he doesn't think a boy should do that. But then hires a clown who's going to perform magic at his birthday party. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, there's a little bit. It's a, it's just a little bit messy sort of thing. And I said before, if Jordan was played a bit more realistically, I probably had more empathy for him. But I didn't really have any empathy for him, though I did like I did like stunts and stuff that were going on. You know, the roller coaster and right. And then Bruce Wayne trying to, you know, you know, try, try, well, the whole for Bruce Wayne, like, oh, you know, when Joker shows up at the party, he's Bruce Wayne, so he can't do much except be a, a bundling idiot sort of thing, you know, by, right, you know, throwing the, cl- the cake into the, you know, the swimming pool. So, so yeah, that's the reason. 
to speak. So let's go to our favorite episode, or at least favorite episode in this in this four. And we'll start with you, Vicky, because you'd love this aspect. What's your favorite episode and your least favorite episode? Well, I liked them all, but I'm I'm gonna stick with the uh, I'm gonna stick with the Harvey Dent episodes. About I, I just I just think he's a a cool character, Two Face. I like how I want to. I can't wait to see more where, where he's involved. I just I find it just just interesting because he's not good, he's not bad, you know. And and I that just everything is halved with him, you know, right down to his look. So I think it's I think he's an interesting character. So I'm gonna be looking forward to him more in that 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 particular episode or that particular episode caught me. Well, actually, both of them did. And I wouldn't really say there's a least favorite episode. But I guess, gosh, that sucks. I hate Lee's favorite. You know, I hate these. I would have to say Be a Clown maybe is my least favorite episode. I don't know. Maybe it's just too much clown for me. I don't know. I don't do clowns. I, I hate clowns. I've got a real phobia about clowns. I don't know why I watch Terrifier and all that bullshit. I, <laughs> I maybe that's say. why it's so good. Maybe that's why I love those movies so much is I hate clowns. But um, I, don't, I don't know if it, I don't, I, I guess, I guess there wasn't the dynamic there for the Joker and me at, that, at, at this point, I guess. I like the roller coaster scene, but if I had to say I dislike any of these episodes, that would be the one. Not because I hated it. What about you yourself, Joe? say it. <laughs> um, my, my least favorite was probably Be a Clown. Um, I, I, I just, I mean, it's the weakest of the four, I think, which yeah, they were all strong, though. So it, it's saying it's the weakest of the four is kind of strange in this scenario. Uh, my favorite, though, by far, and I, I think it's the best, I, I legitimately think it's my favorite episode of the series so far, uh, uh, would be um, uh, It's Never Too Late. You know, I, I've just... That one, I, if anybody were to ask me, like, an episode of this year so far, I, who, who knows, you know, 10 episodes from now, this could be right. a completely different story. But if anybody were asking me right now, bullet to my head or uh, a gun to my head, what's what's the best episode of the series? Absolutely. It's this one, hands down. I absolutely love this episode. And what about yourself, Sean? Uh, likewise, it's never too, it never too late is probably my favorite one, if not my favorite one of the series so far. Episode. Once we get to the Mr. Freeze origin, I think that kind of overtook everything that that one i still remember from my childhood that one i have watched and has has a very strong spot in my heart but it's never too late just a great story great voice acting i love the character is strong well i want want him back uh of if i'm not going to say least favorite but the one i rank fourth i guess it will be the nice way of putting it would be um be a clown i uh I, the Two-Face story together is just a more compelling story than your typical Joker episode. I love the Joker, but this one, yeah, it wasn't as, it wasn't the best work. I mean, if, if it's in another batch. That's the thing. Yeah. If if it was in another batch, it it would be a standout, but these other two. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and it's never too late are just so strong that it, it just doesn't, uh, be a clown just doesn't hold up. And I'm going to agree. Um, it's never too late. It's my favorite episode. And the least favorite would be Be a Clown. And that's only because it doesn't. I think that I think they could have done something a bit. Give it a little bit more meat to it. Would probably get me more invested in it. I kind of watched it. And the only thing I really wanted to see is just the Joker. 
I didn't care about anyone else, so. Well, that brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next week, we'll be covering the women and for part of our Make Remake and the Opposite Sex from 1956. And of course, our M&M, Madness and Monsters, will be Double Indemnity and Basic Instinct. And of course, as we go into December, which is our Christmas month, we'll be doing things slightly different as we normally do in December. And our book to screen will be We Have Always Lived in the Castle, written by Shirley Jackson, and the film starring Crispin Glover and Teresa Farminga. And, of course, our next Batman episodes for Batman the Animated Series will be I Got Batman in My Basement, Heart of Ice, and The Cat and the Claw, Part 1 and Part 2. And that will be part of our Batman. So it's good night to uh, good night for myself, and good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Good night, Sean. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you next week for Make Remake, where the women from 1939 and the opposite sex from 1956.